Blog Talk Radio. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, folks? It's My Take Radio, episode 50, for Thursday, July 8, 2010. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Threats of Fury, by the artist Vertex Guy. You can download that or any of the other tracks that you've heard in previous episodes on ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347 324 3541. Again, that number is 347-324-3541. All right. Let's get into this episode 50, folks. First off, of course, housekeeping, of course, has to be taken care of. Uh, Facebook ad, I mean, website ads, you guys have seen them. There's actually some new ones going to be coming up in the next few weeks. I'm just going to add more supporters to the site. You're going to be seeing new guys, new different MMA sites, new gamer sites, um, fellow blog talk radio broadcasters, fellow, fellow shows that are going to be putting some banners up. Uh, the Google AdSense presence is going to be minimal just because, like I said, there's very, there's very small amounts of conversion for that. So it's really just something that's there to, you know, have in the back burner, but it's not something that I'm going to keep uh, a sole focus on. So they're there. If you want to check out some of the other offerings from some of the other sites that support the show, or fellow broadcasters, of course, click the banners, check out their offerings. If you like something that's placed by Google, of course, you know what to do in regards to that. A donation button actually went live this week. Um, like I said last week, we are in a very interesting place going into the 50th episode, just working really round the clock to try and grow the site, grow the show, and just a multitude of things just to get exposure, try and create... Um, my Take Radio as a brand, not only as a brand for me to voice my opinions, but also just as a brand that people can look at that tell it like it is without any sugarcoating, no agendas, and no bullshit. I think that the only way anybody can succeed nowadays is by just being that type of a show, just straight up and to the point. That's why, you know, guys like VGN, Born Stubborn, MMA Gospel, shows of that nature, we all pretty much we share a common bond on the basis that we just tell it like it is and we really have no preconceived agendas, no need to placate any of any followers or any subscribers or any advertisers. We just tell it like it is and we frankly don't give a fuck. So I take great pride in broadcasting 50 episodes at midnight. It will mark one year since I started My Take Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm actually very proud of that not only because I've endured 50 episodes, but just because there's, there's been times when, you know, you kind of want to throw in the towel only on the basis that it's, it becomes more of a project than something you enjoy. But uh, reaching episode 50 to me was, 
with something big just because it's, it's a culmination of a lot of work and watching the community grow and watching, you know, the Twitter, the Twitter followers grow, the Facebook fan page and people actually uh, giving a shit about the, the MTR brand. Um, a lot of friendships have been forged, a lot, of, a lot of people working behind the scenes to make it great, you know, guys like Slick, uh, my fiancé, Bronx, uh, Mortis, um, all the listeners from the, from the MySpace forum that come in and supported the show from day one with no reservations. Um, I made 50 episodes not only because of me, but because of those guys, um, the supporters, you know, all the people that work behind the scenes and just pe- people giving a fuck about what I have to say. I know it's a little long-winded and I apologize, but I, t- I take great pride in, in being able to entertain you guys and share my thoughts and opinions with you for a year already and for 50 episodes. And I look forward to doing 50 more, 150 more, 250 more um, to the very end. We're just going to ride it either till the wheels fall off or till people get tired of listening to my shit. A um, couple of things. I want to just take a moment. Um, uh, supporter of the show, my, my, my buddy Prophet, his wife is going into surgery tomorrow. I wish him and his wife the best of luck. Um, I'm more than sure he'll listen to it on the on the replay or he'll hear about it through the grapevine. So definitely um, wish them the best of luck tomorrow with their procedure. Um, my fiance celebrated a birthday yesterday, so happy birthday to her, of course, as did my sister. She has to get a birthday shout-out. Um, she doesn't listen to the show, but it, I felt it was in order to do that. With that being said, all these little personal anecdotes out of the way, um, let's talk about a few other things, the forums. Um, again, a continuing growth of activity in the forums. If you haven't been in there, it, it's not something where I'm telling you guys to stop in, but definitely, you know, force, forcibly telling you to go in there. But you guys should definitely stop in. There's a lot of great people contributing in there. Guys like Ant, who, even though he's not in the chat, listens to the show and supports it where he can. He's also a very active, active voice in the comment section. Some of his comments on some of the movies are hilarious. Um, Guys like Bob, Bronx, they keep the forums active and popping, and you guys should stop in there and, and, and join on the conversation. There's, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of knowledge you can pick up amongst all the bullshit and uh, uh, shit talking. So definitely stop in the forums as well. Uh, the fan page, of course, is growing. Uh, I take great pride in seeing that my buddy Josh was right. The ad campaign has been successful. The fan page has been growing. We're already at 161 fans. My goal is to hopefully hit 200 by the end of the month, and I think that's an easily attainable goal. It's just one of those things where word of mouth, advertising, certain articles, hopefully they'll continue to help that portion of the page grow. I'm also looking to try and engage more with you guys on the fan page since 90% of you fuckers are always on Facebook um, for one reason or another, whether you're growing your crops or, or just, just sharing your thoughts. I'm more than sure you guys can take a few seconds and answer a question or two on the fan page when they're posted. So stop in there if you get a chance as well. And new posts on the site. Handle put up a new post recently, which which was really good. And also I put up a post about print media, which I'm going to discuss later on in the broadcast. Also on tap for tonight, Kai from Northeast Wasteland is going to be making a return to the show. We're going to wrap up um, a little bit of the movie segment he'll probably call later on in the show. And, of course, Slick, I invite him to call back as well to step a little bit from behind the, the screener booth um, so we can finish up the movie discussion just because 
I felt that the amount of time that we put into it didn't get enough justice and the combination of us three and some of the shit that I have to talk about this week should definitely make for some memorable radio and for the 50th show I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, in regards to tonight's topics, we're going to talk about Lesnar versus Carwin. Slick will probably call in for this because he was here to watch the spectacle with me and the missus as well. A couple of UFC news that are going to be coming up. We're going to talk about Batista's entry into MMA, and I'm going to share my thoughts on that. I'm going to give a couple of thoughts on WWE and TNA as a whole. I'm not going to get too crazy just because the wrestling product has has a couple of different comments that I'm going to address, so I'll save that for later on in the broadcast. We're going to talk about some Red Dead Redemption news. There's some Marvel movie news, a couple of what-the-fuck casting news. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the At Gamer magazine, which I received in the mail recently. Um, I wrote a little piece, like I said, on the site, but I want to share uh, my verbal thoughts with you guys just because I want to get into a bit of a discussion in regards to print media and how it affects us as gamers and if it's even relevant nowadays. In addition to that, we're going to take your calls and all the stuff just to bang out this 50th episode. So with that said, let's start with, of course, Lesnar versus Carwin first on the MMA front. And let me tell you, Lesnar versus Carwin was by far one of the better UFC pay-per-views I've seen in a while. I was, I was very proud and very happy to shell out 50 bucks or 44.99 um, just because the card was stacked from start to finish. There were some great fights, some surprising finishes, and it just had a, an aura about it that, that showed that something special was going to happen. Of course, every UFC pay-per-view, you can expect the unexpected in most fights, but on this particular card, there were a lot of really just top-notch fights from start to finish. Um, I'm going to definitely give my thoughts on Chris Lieben. I want to talk about Gerald Harris, Brock Lesnar, of course, Shane Carwin. And um, I'll start with the lightweight fights first. The first lightweight fight was uh, Ricardo Romero versus Seth Petruzzelli. That was on Spike TV. Um, Seth Petruzzelli, of course, the silverback, was making his UFC return. He is, of course, remembered for being the guy to defeat Kimbo Slice and Elite XC. He was fighting Ricardo Romero, his first fight in the UFC uh, Romero came in with a lot of fanfare. People had a, uh, a really great buzz about him. Petruzzelli started off really strong in the first round. In the second round, more Petruzzelli doing the work, but he started getting a bit tired. Romero did a really great job um, working his ground game. He did a lot of body work, too. Um, Petruzzelli tried to get a lot of elbows from the bottom. He even tried a triangle choke from the bottom in the second round, but Romero slipped out and he managed to get side control. He also got a side control crucifix, which ended up going into a straight arm bar. And there's rumors that Petrozelli's arm was broken. Nonetheless, Romero ended up winning by submission in round two. Great fight. Like I said, Romero came in with a lot of fanfare. He had a lot to, he had a lot to say in general. You know, it, it actually was a testament to the fanfare, and he just wanted to come in there and do his job. Petrozelli... Great fight. One of the memorable moments in the fight was him doing a double axe handle throughout the fight. It was very amusing. Um, overall, the fight was highly enjoyable, and I found it to be refreshing just because it was, a different, it was a different kind of fight. It had a little bit of stagnation, so to speak, but overall the fight was enjoyable. Of course, the second fight on the televised portion on, Sp on Spike was Chris DeScherer. He's a training partner for Brock Lesnar. He was fighting... 
Brendan Schaub, of course, from The Ultimate Fighter, who also happens to be a training partner for the one and only Shane Carwin. So, of course, it was the battle of training partners. Brendan Schaub came out, took the fight, TKO, round one with punches. Uh, Schaub, always very athletic, great athlete. He came in, he did his job um, to share, you know, you got, he got caught out there. It happens. But um, Schaub, great work. I really, the fight went so quick that, for me personally, it, it, I, I blinked that it was over. But I like I like Shab. He's a he's a good fighter, and he really impressed me, man. He came in there and and he took it to Teixeira, who really looked like like a bigger dude. You know, he was like a, a mini Brock Lesnar almost. But hey, Shab went in there and did his thing. Uh, the middleweight fight, which I enjoyed also on the prelims, was Dave Branch and Gerald Harris. Uh, Dave Branch, of course, known for his Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Gerald Harris um, came in, and there was really you know, Branch was doing his thing in the fr- you know in the first round, but Harris took the first. Then they went into the second. Harris did good work on the second. Pretty much every round ended with um, Harris either on top or in a dominant position. In round three, Branch tried to use a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu triangle choke. He ended up getting picked up and slammed. At which point it was a KO by slam, something out of Rampage's playbook. Gerald Harris really impressed me. I've always said that the kid has a lot of talent. This fight, no joke, came in. He did his job. That slam was disgusting. Um, It was pretty much a simultaneous holy shit from myself, um, Slick, and my fiance. We were all pretty much shocked because it was a really great slam, and the dude was out cold. It was pretty much eyes rolling into the back of the head, fight over, so... Definitely an enjoyable fight. And then, of course, as we get into the pay-per-view portion, uh, Kurt Batman Pellegrino, he was fighting George Sotaropoulos. I actually had Pellegrino picked. He's a favorite fighter of mine. He's really cool. Uh, just a very unique fighter. But Sotaropoulos showed that he had just, just really smooth and crisp stand-up. Pellegrino almost took it in the third round. He had him in a, he caught him with a huge knee. He went in there to try and finish it as the round ended, so he definitely took that round but Sotaropoulos took the unanimous decision. Um, in the light heavyweights, Christoph Szczynski was fighting Stefan Bonner, um, both guys' favorite fighters of mine. These guys, the last time they fought, it was a, a bloodbath, and needless to say, the second go-around was no different. Uh, Szczynski won their last fight at UFC 110 via stoppage. Uh, the cut was caused by an accidental headbutt. Uh, Bonner ended up trying to appeal, but the loss remained on his record. Nonetheless, these guys came in and they just finished what they started at UFC 110. It was just a fantastic fight. Bonner went in there. He showed that he's just a good fighter to watch. He may not win every fight, man, but every fight he fucking has is entertaining. You know, everybody goes back to his fight with him and Forrest, but besides that, man, the, the guy's entertaining. He's, he's funny, and, and he really is an American psycho. When you look at him post-fight, you can tell that something's definitely wrong with him for sure. But overall, very impressed with both guys. Neither guy gets hurt with, with in terms of, at least Zizinski doesn't get hurt from the loss, and Bonner just continues to show that he's going to be a, a, an entertaining fighter in the near future. Um, hopefully he's, he'll go on a win streak and we can see him in some title contention. I think he deserves it. I like Bonner. And, and he's, put, he's put in the work, man. He, he showed that he's definitely improved for sure. Um, the welterweight fight, was Matt Brown and Chris Lytle. Lytle ended up winning via straight arm bar in round two. Again, another situation where I like both fighters. Matt Brown is a great fighter. 
Uh, Lytle, of course, always comes in. He's always known for his uh, fight bonuses, either for fights of the night, submissions of the night. And he came in there and he did his job, man. He came in, he ended up winning by submission with a straight arm bar. Um, going into the middleweight fight, uh, Chris Levin was substituting for Vandalay Silva, and he was fighting Yoshihiro Akiyama. First off, these guys, this should have been fight of the night for sure. These guys came in and put on a clinic. They beat the piss out of each other for three rounds. And I got to tell you, Chris Levin, his maturity from the Ultimate Fighter first season all the way to now shown shows that he's come a long way. Akiyama, of course, never disappoints. Everybody had Levin as the severe underdog. But, but Levin's that guy. He has a puncher's chance, and he really showed uh, a more diversified plan of attack, especially in this fight. He ended up winning by submission, of all things, with a triangle choke at the end of round three. Um, Akiyama, you could tell he was gassed. These guys just, just pummeled each other for fucking three rounds. Akiyama getting the better half of it, but, but Levin, there was no quit. And I've always been a fan of Levin just because he's, he's a crazy dude and he's always entertaining to watch, but... But, man, he, he shows that he's come a long way. I think it, it, it has a lot to do with how he's changed his training, especially now that he's been teaching as well. Um, definitely a great, great, great fight. Uh, Levin says that he wants to fight Vanderlei next, who, of course, is the fighter he was substituting for. I think that would be a fantastic fight. Would Levin beat Vanderlei? Before this fight, I would have said no. But now, hey, he made a believer out of me, man, and he showed that he can go in there and he could get the job done any way, shape, or form possible. So I was definitely impressed for sure. Um, Lesnar Carwin, of course, the big fight, King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, I'm probably going to bring Slick in in one second, but let me say this. There was a lot of hype going in. There was a mutual respect between both fighters. They were pretty much mirror images. They were just big guys coming in there, both with wrestling pedigrees that, that just have devastating knockout power. They're, they're just freaks of nature. Let's, put it, let's call it like we see it. Um, round one, Carwin came in. He caught Lesnar. He clipped him. And it was just Carwin administering an epic ass whooping on Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar gets kudos for, for taking that ass whooping. But, but he defended himself. And sure as shit, you know, the fight ended up going to round two. And... In round two, Lesnar ended up going with his bread and butter. He scored a takedown. He came in. He actually ended up getting full mount, uh, and then he shifted to side control, at which point he caught Carwin in an arm triangle. And Carwin, I thought Carwin was going to hold on, man, but Lesnar locked it in, and, and he just caught him. And Lesnar wins by submission, arm triangle in round two. Now, before I elaborate further on this fight, I want to bring slick on for two reasons. Number one, he was actually watching the fight, and I think in Slick's case, Slick is coming in to MMA sort of, not as a newbie, but more so as a guy who's looking at it from two perspectives, from becoming a fan's perspective and also from a show perspective. So I always like having him on for these type of things because he brings a different spin on it. And I'm more than sure you guys in the chat it's going to be really bugged out what, you know, what his thoughts are, and I'm more than sure Kai's going to have his thoughts, which he'll share later on when he calls in. But let's bring Slick on, and let's hear what he has to say about it. Slick, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? 
<clears throat> what do you got, man? What are your thoughts on the Lesnar Carwin fight? It was it was incredible from start to finish. Definitely a surprise. I mean, you know, I've been you know talking shit about Lesnar forever just because I don't like the guy, but I've never doubted his ability. I've always said he's very capable of just beating the hell out of somebody, which you know made the the win even more of a surprise. Because I mean, you got to give it you got to give it up to Carwin. He put a horrible beating on Lesnar for like the majority of the first round. It's like, at the same time, you got to give it to Lesnar because Mir passed out for less than half of the beating that Lesnar stayed awake through. This is true. That's a, that's a good way to look at it, for sure. And he was basically taking the same beating. Cause he didn't, first, he got punched in his face. He got knocked down. He started getting beat in the back of his head. He managed to defend himself, and he got up. Round ends, and we see Lesnar start going on the attack, just like he did in the first round. You think, oh, maybe he's going to fuck up again. Colin's going to start beating on him again. It's going to be over. He did yeah. the exact opposite of what everybody expects him to do. Everybody figures one of these guys is going to win by beating the living shit out of the other guy, and somebody's just going to be passed the fuck out. That's and exactly it. Instead, he wins by submission. And everybody's like, holy shit. You know, and it's funny. that That's why I said it. It was good having you there to see it because you look at it from, from such a, a, a unique perspective. Because like I said, it's not, it's not even a testament to your experience in, in regards to seeing the fight, but it's more from the basis that you're, you're, you're coming in as pretty much a fresh mind into the equation. So your thoughts... You know, I've been watching MMA for a long time, and it, it, I have a, a different thought process towards it, but you come in and you're looking at the fight from the standpoint of, all right, I know about Brock Lesnar, I know who he is, you've seen a couple of, of UFC events with me already, you've seen some MMA fights, you know how the shit works, but to come in there and you're pretty much watching the two most dominant heavyweights, you know, not, not, not excluding guys like Fedor and guys in Force, but... You have basically the two best heavyweights in the world, pound for pound. You've got a guy who's coming in who's 12-0, and 0, whose every win he's had has been by him pretty much viciously beating someone's face in. And you're fighting a guy who, as a champion, has only, you know, less than five fights in his resume. It's ridiculous. It was really an epic moment just on the basis that you had two guys that were mirror images on each, at each other on a collision course, and each guy was there for a different reason. Carlin was there due to a culmination of hard work, his great discipline, fantastic stand-up, on top of the fact a lot of people, you could not, not root for Carlin, so to speak. You know, he's a likable guy. He's a great personality. He's a fantastic ambassador for the sport. On the flip side, you got Brock Lesnar. He's the, he's the antithesis. He's the villain. He, he's the guy you just want to see punched in the face. And you said it best. I like to see Brock Lesnar fight either to see the beatings he puts on people or the beating he's going to get. Exactly. I, I mean, I was, I was going to be pretty much happy with anything that wasn't a decision, which with those two guys, it wasn't going a decision. Hell no, those guys, there was, there was going to be no decision. I mean, a lot of people were saying that the whole 
pretty much the whole, you know, and when he was getting pounded out in the first round, it was, everybody was like, oh, shit, it's going to end, it's going to end. And he survived, which was crazy. You know, you know that. You, yeah, you, you know, you and my wife were like, oh, shit, it's over, it's over. And he, and he took it. He took his beating like a man. And, you know, I have to respect the fact that his post-fight interview, he, he was still a bit of a douche because, you know, it's in his nature. And like I said, he has to play that character. But on the same token, he was very humble. He acknowledged the fact that, you know, he, he nearly died from diverticulitis. And he was very humble. He was thankful to his camp, his trainers, um, the fans. And I think that when, and, and this is just me saying it, when you approach a near-death experience, you, you're going to get some sort of a moment of clarity. And you've got a guy who basically had acid leaking into his intestines. So if that doesn't fucking humble you, I don't know what does. And it was a very different post-fraud interview from his, his last post-fraud interview. Hell yeah. He was, he, was very, he was very humble in it, man. You definitely will not see him getting reprimanded for that one. No, sir, not in the least. But overall, how did you, how did you, you, know, how did you view this, this fight, considering that the, you know, the, well, the card in general, considering that the main event was, was, such, was such a focus? Were you as entertained at the, with, with the rest of the card as I was, or? I mean, I didn't think it deserved fight of the night. It was probably the most surprising win of the night just because of what happened and the way Lesnar won. But, I mean, the entire card was solid. Even the even the free stuff was pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, Gerald, Gerald Harris, man, winning winning by slam was ridiculous. He actually ended up winning knockout of the night for that. And he deserves it. I mean, we've seen some, we've seen good MMA cards. We've seen, you know, in between ones. This was definitely one of the better ones because I can't think of one fight that was like boring or, or um, you know, not really worth watching. Also, thankfully, we didn't have any asshole fans bullying this time. This is true. Because, I mean, that, that was the whole, one of the whole problems with, with why Carlin lost. They, they kept saying that he's never gone past the first round. He put everything he had into that first round, and unfortunately it wasn't enough. He has to work on, you know, building up his stamina if he's going to fight somebody like, and, and beat somebody like Lesnar who can actually take his beating. Because well, he's going to have to go at least two rounds. Well, you know, the funny thing was, and it's funny you say that, in his interview, and he's gone on record as saying, he was just like, you know, my body gave out. But you also have to take into account, you're, you're, you're a 280-pound-plus guy. You're, uh, I'm more than sure his conditioning was there, but you also got to think of it from the standpoint of, imagine you carrying a suitcase for a mile. Your arms are going to give out. It's just the way it is, and, and this guy is just physically just pummeling another 300-pound human being. You know, it, it was a matter. It was a matter of holy shit. You know. So I mean, if you can't put him away right away when you're doing something like that, you're gonna have a problem. There you go. And if, if, if you don't come in there with napalm on your fist, you know, you know how it's gonna go. What I want to see now is, I have no idea where Lesnar's going to go from here because 
I mean, he he did what he had to do. He he's proven that he is the man to beat. So it's it's just whoever the hell the next challenger is. But I hope he holds on to the belt long enough for for um, Carwin to come back and fight him again. I, I agree. I, I think I think a rematch would be would definitely be um, in the cards, especially because obviously somebody's been schooling Brock Lesnar in the submission game and. Um, I, nobody's going to say that he's going to be a world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. But now that you're start, starting to throw submissions in the in the fight game and you're starting to throw some ground fighting in there, it's going to be very interesting to see if Lesnar's going to continue to diversify and, and go and learn new techniques or if he's just going to be a guy that's going to rely on his bread and butter, which is, you know, this is a size 4XL hand fist punching you in the face and then I'm just going to smother you with my refrigerator-sized body. Well, I think part of, you know, being off for a year and all the shit that's happened to him made him realize that, you know, he can't just go one way anymore. It got him where he is, but it's not going to keep him there. And like you said, he's not going to be any kind of master or anything, but I think he's going to continue to diversify and hopefully stays at least mildly humble. Mildly is an understatement, but I'd go with that. I gained a lot of respect for the dude during that fight. I mean, again, A, for for even making it to the second round, and B, for getting a submission win. So I want to see... I want I want to continue to see growth from Brock Lesnar. I want to see Shane Collins fight him again. Fuck, I'd like to see both of them beat the shit out of Mir again because that was just funny. <laughs> Poor Mir, he gets no love. All right, exactly. dude. Well, let me just run through the uh, the rest of the MMA news, and uh, I'm more than sure when Kai calls back, you know, we 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 gotta we gotta bang out this mo- these movies because it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. There's a couple of doozies in there this week for sure. All right, man. All right, brother. Thanks for the call. Talk to you later. All right. All right. Let's get into a little bit of the UFC news. Of course, the next one, the next fight we have, we have UFC 117, which is Sonnen and Silva, and, of course, UFC 118, which is going to be in Boston, the main event. One of the main events is going to be Randy Couture fighting James Toney. Now, there's been rumors going about that the fight's going to be a catchweight fight, um, James Tony's walking around talking a, a huge amount of shit for a guy that hasn't fought in MMA, and, and I kind of like that. I kind of like the whole, you know, wow, this guy has zero MMA cred. That's not to say that he can't fuck somebody up because he can. You know, you're talking about talking about a, a guy who's who's one of the, who's one of the best pound for pound boxers in his division. There's no. There's no disputing the fact that he can pretty much separate you from your consciousness with his fist. That, that, but the amount of shit talking going in, considering he's fighting a guy who's a fucking legend. Randy Couture is is the epitome of legend in the UFC. You know, he's he's a guy that he, always written off because of his age, comes back, beats on younger guys, beats on bigger guys with with, with no issues whatsoever, and he's fighting a guy who is only known for stand-up. This can go... The problem with this fight is that a lot of people say that if Randy Couture beats him, it just shows that he beat a guy who had no MMA experience. If James Tony wins, of course, it shows that 
anybody can come into the sport with a legit fighting background other than MMA and, and do well. At the end of the day, the way I see it is this fight isn't going to be decided by two old guys fighting. It's not going to be decided by wrestling versus boxing. It's going to be decided on the fact that we're going to find out if boxers have another viable outlet in combat sports, period. Because boxing, as much as people love to, you know, talk about the virtues of boxing and how great it is, boxing is on the way out. It's, I hate to say it, but unless it's, you know, Mayweather fighting, Pacquiao fighting, any of the, of the marquee boxing names, I don't really see people chomping at the bit to, to hop on the boxing bandwagon. And it's, and it's crazy because the way I see it, you get guys like, like James Tony that they can come in and they're going to talk their shit and either they're going to have some longevity or they're going to generate a buzz. And I don't mind that. It is a bit of a freak show fight, don't get me wrong, and, and, and people have definitely addressed it as such, but I really want to see it. I want to see if guys like James Tony guys like Manny Pacquiao down the road, hell, even guys like Mike Tyson, if there's a future for them in the cage. Because considering that there's the huge rape and pillaging when you do professional boxing, in MMA at least, there's, there's, a, bit, there's a bit more honesty. I'm not saying MMA is not without its, its crookedness, but that fight in particular, I really want to see if it opens the, bo- the doors for more boxers to come in and transition to MMA. So... I'm going to be watching that fight with much interest for sure. Um, Moving on, like I said when I was speaking with Slick, a couple of bonuses were given out at the uh, UFC 116, $75,000 fight bonuses. Lesnar earned submission of the night. Of course, there's a big dispute going on because Lieben versus Akiyama should have got that, or it should have been uh, Lytle getting submission of the night. But I can understand the rationale for that being given out because you're talking about a guy who never used a submission ever, and he ends up submitting a guy who's known for his stand-up. So definitely a surprise of the night. Submission of the night, eh, depends on who you ask. Um, of course, Gerald Harris, knockout of the night for his fight with Dave Branch, which was fantastic. I expect to see that on a highlight reel for Gerald Harris for the foreseeable future, unless he does some other crazy shit. Bonner, Szczynski, and Lieben and Nakayama all earned fight of the night bonuses, which is justified, especially with Lieben and Akiyama. That fight was beautiful from start to finish. Um, again, people are going to complain about certain these bonuses that get given out, but Dana White has actually gone on record saying that just because these are bonuses that were advertised doesn't mean that there aren't going to be more bonuses being given, you know, that are going to be given out. So I think that's, that's really cool of Dana White to do, and I, I commend these guys for their hard work. In regards to Brock Lesnar's next opponent, he will be fighting Cain Velasquez next. Um, originally, that was going to be something you were going to see at UFC 119. I'm more than sure you might see it maybe at UFC 120 or 121. UFC 119 is definitely out of the question. After Brock and Cain fight, the, after those two guys fight, they're going to meet the winner of Junior Dos Santos fighting Roy Big Country Nelson, and the winner of that fight, of course, gets the next shot. Of course, Junior Dos Santos, definitely I'd like to see him in there. But Big Country would definitely be a sight. Just Big Country versus Brock Lesnar. It's definitely interesting for sure. Um, it, it should be. I think Big Country actually has a puncher's chance. 
just because he's a guy that gets written off for having a body of like a Pillsbury Doughboy. But um, it should be interesting for sure to see which one of those guys is next. And if Lesnar, of course, gets past Carwin for sure. Um, Batista. A few weeks back, and even last week a little bit, I talked about the fact that Dave Batista is going to enter MMA. Dave Batista is in his early 40s, maybe mid-40s, of course, wrestled for the WWE, jacked to the gills, probably roided out of his mind, and he's going to be possibly fighting for Strike Force. Rumors indicate that he's going to fight Bobby Lashley, a whole bunch of bullshit, a bunch of grandstanding. I'm going to be the first to say this. If you don't have any real combat experience and you're old, you shouldn't be looking at MMA unless it's for health reasons. You know, cardiovascular. You know, for exercise, to stay in shape. But the fact that you want to consider going to fight professionally boggles my mind. Guys like Jose Canseco, all these fucking guys. Oh, I want to go and fight MMA, blah, blah, blah. Either they're looking for the quick payday or just a quick exposure. And at the same time, they're tarnishing... Um, the, the, the most up, uh, the most, the fastest growing sport now. That's the way I see it. If Batista wants to go and do it, fine. But the fact that he's really trying to get into strike force and he's expecting a shitload of money, he's never had a professional fight. None. And now there's reports that he's doing a two-day, he's training twice a week at the Caesar Gracie camp in Lodi, California. The training sessions were put together by strike force, and, of course, they're footing the bill because they're interested in signing him. The Caesar Gracie camp has a lot of great fighters in there. Jake Shields, the Diaz brothers, and Gilbert Melendez are in there. But let's go back to what I just said. Dave Batista is going to be training two days a week with Caesar Gracie to fight professionally. 42-year-old man or I think he's 43 or 44, but 40-plus-year-old man training twice a week for a professional MMA fight. Are you fucking kidding me? Let me tell you something. When I did powerlifting in high school, I lifted weights every other day. Every other day. Nonstop. Period. NFL players, they train twice a day. Sometimes three times a day, depending whether it's weights, conditioning, speed drills, any type of live gameplay practice. Professional fighters, Brock Lesnar, Shane Carwin, these guys are doing wrestling, stand-up, submissions, submission defense, conditioning, weightlifting, spread across seven days. Yeah, there's a rest day in there one or two, and you're training sometimes two, three, four times a day. This fucking guy, and again, I, I really have no hate towards Batista. He was entertaining in the WWE, but this fucking guy, I'm going to go train two days a week with Caesar Gracie. They're really trying to make a chicken salad out of chicken shit. They really are. You, what, because you're training two days a week at a Gracie camp? You're going you're gonna to expect to go in and be successful in MMA? You're out of your fucking mind. 
uh, and it and it's terrible of me to say, and it, you know, it's gonna it's gonna sound like I'm a hater, but I really hope he gets his ass whooped. If you're sitting there training two times a day, what are you doing the other the other five days? Are you in the gym? I know. Maybe you're cycling off all the juice you're on so it doesn't come up in all the fucking drug testing they do. Two days a week to fight professionally is total bullshit. Of course, SureDog.com sat down with Caesar Gracie and they were asking about his upcoming training session. His response was, we'll see how it goes. If he wants to fight, we'll get him going. If he wants to fight or not, that's up to him. People want to come in and train with us, then we're all for it. And that's fine, but... The fact that you're going to take two days a week to go and train, uh, to, to, to possibly fight professionally is ridiculous. That's like me waking up saying, I want to fight MMA and go on a Thai bow once a week. What the fuck is that? Ugh. Disgusted. So disgusted. In regards to some UFC stuff, they're actually looking at doing UFC 119 and the, main, the two main events are going to center around the Nagara brothers. Uh, that's going to be scheduled for September 15th at the Conseco Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. The rumored card right now is Frank Mir uh, fighting Minotauro. That's going to be their second go-around. Ryan Bader has verbally agreed, based on what I read earlier today, to fight Rogerio Nogueira, or Little Nog. Evan Dunham is supposed to be fighting Sean Shirk. Um, I'm a huge fan of Sean Shirk, so I'm excited to see this fight. Uh, Melvin Gillard and Jeremy Stevens is also rumored for that fight, for that card. C.D. Dalloway and Joe Dirksen, Joey Beltran and Matt Mitrione, and T.J. Grant versus Julio Paulino. So overall, definitely solid. I'm looking forward to it just because I want to see the Nogueira brothers on the same card, and the guys that they're fighting are both credible and legit opponents. Bader is awesome. I'm, I'm a fan of his as well. And Frank Mir is Frank Mir. Whether he wins or loses, it's always entertaining to watch for sure. Um, with that said, I'm going to, am I going to take a quick commercial break? I don't think so, actually, because I didn't upload any commercials this week. So you know what? Let's get into wrestling. Monday Night Raw, of course, came and went this week. They continued to to play up the whole mystery GM. The Nexus went around whooping people's asses. The Money in the Bank started taking shape. Uh, the Cutting Edge returned. The Money in the Bank pay-per-view started coming together nicely. Um, let, me, let me tell you something. The mystery GM thing is total bullshit. The, this week, they tried to hint at the fact that the, G, the mystery GM may be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Let me tell you something. As a wrestling fan, I've learned that whenever they tell you it's someone, it's definitely not someone. Next week, I bet you they're going to start referencing The Rock as the mystery GM. Maybe Goldberg. Maybe fucking Betty White. Who the fuck knows? The fact is that it's getting really annoying that Michael Cole is like, oh, the mystery GM emailed me this week. Blah, 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 blah. It's really getting old. On the bright side, there was actually some good wrestling this week, um, setting up the Money in the Bank matches, which, of course, was solid from start to finish. Um, Evan Bourne being involved in the Money in the Bank matches is great. Um, Randy Orton being involved in the Money in the Bank match, while good, concerns me because you're talking about a guy that if he fucking wipes his ass the wrong way, he's going to tear something or hurt something. So a little bit concerned with that. But um, should be interesting. I mean, from, on the Raw side, you've got The Miz, 
Chris Jericho, Evan Bourne, Edge, Randy Orton, John Morrison, Ted DiBiase, and originally R-Truth was supposed to be in it, but he got hurt, quote-unquote, and is no longer able to compete. So we're going to see who's going to take his place. I can tell you right now, you're going to see a couple of interesting things in that match. You're going to see an airborne off a ladder. You're going to see a spear off a ladder, an RKO off a ladder, a starship paint off the top of a ladder, uh, the Miz trying to do some dumb shit off the ladder. Somebody's getting thrown through a table. I love Money in the Bank matches, but to center a whole pay-per-view around it, it, it really is the equivalent of just meeting a hot girl and trying to sleep with her within the first five seconds. You're just going to throw all your game out there and just fucking have nothing for the rest of the year. Money in the Bank is great at WrestleMania because it sets up a, a huge storyline for the remainder of the year. Based on what they've been saying for this Money in the Bank card, the winners from Raw and SmackDown, somebody's going to end up cashing in their case just in time for SummerSlam. So they're going to have a case cashed in for SummerSlam, then you're going to have a case cashed in for WrestleMania or for any other time prior to that. Again, great in theory, shitty in execution, just because, again, you're, you're risking injuring a lot of these guys. On the SmackDown side, you've got Matt Hardy, Dashing Cody Rhodes, which has to be the worst fucking nickname ever. Sounds the name of a guy at Chippendales. I'm Dashing Cody Rhodes. I dance on Tuesdays and Thursdays at, at 1.30. Yuck. Then you got the Big Show. You got Kofi Kingston in that match. The Big Show in a Money in the Bank ladder match is a recipe for 19 different finishing moves being hit on him. That motherfucker ain't climbing any ladders. I don't give a fuck what they say. Not happening. Then you've got Christian in there and Kane. Kane will probably be the guy that's going to take a lot of the crazy jumps off the ladders. There's not going to be any kind of crazy shit from the big show. Kofi Kingston is there because he's going to do a lot of crazy stuff. And, of course, there's rumors that Drew McIntyre may be in the money in the bank. How legit that is remains to be seen. Your, your main events are going to be Rey Mysterio versus Jack Swagger for the World Heavyweight Championship. Rey Mysterio is going to retain because Jack Swagger as champion is fucking about as interesting as watching snails fuck. Translation, it stinks. And, of course, John Cena is going to fight Ronald McDonald in a steel cage match. So, of course, the steel cage match is going to be to avoid any nexus interference, which, of course, is going to fucking happen. It is. Let's not even play ourselves, but... They really did a really good job at the end um, making Cena look dominant against the Nexus. Uh, he's going to start systematically eliminating them. This week he started with Chaco Cena, a.k.a. Uh, David Young. If you're curious as to why I call him Chaco Cena, go to WWE.com. Look at your Nexus members and look at David Young. It's pretty much John Cena painted black with a really bad haircut. But if he cut his hair, it would be... John Cena, identical. Identical, except he's black. They should really tag them together and call them like Ebony and Ivory or the Oreo Connection or some shit because of the fact that they look identical. It's, it's really freaky for sure. But um, overall, Raw definitely a, a, did a good job this week. The, like I said, the Mystery GM thing was a little bit of a black eye on the broadcast. Uh, on, T, on the TNA front, they're really doing a great job shaping up their upcoming pay-per-view the uh, four, Fatal 4-Way with Rob Van Dam, 
Jeff Hardy, Mr. Anderson, and Abyss alone has the potential to be really great. You also got a tag team match between the Motor City Machine Guns and Beer Money, which also has the makings of being great. Not too much bullshit these last few weeks from TNA in terms of the Hogan-Bischoff thing. There's been a bit less of a focus on them and more of a focus on the young guys and, and the upcoming talent. But again, I'm not going to get too excited until I see a continued push in the right direction for all the young talent they have. TNA actually did a show recently in Brooklyn, which did really well at the um, outdoors where, and the arena where the Brooklyn Cyclones play. Um, they broke the company's domestic attendance record with 6,000 fans in attendance. The next TNA event is going to be at the Hammerstein Ballroom. That's going to be Thursday, September 23rd. I'm going to try and make my way over there to see it just because I haven't seen a TNA event since I saw it at the Westbury Music Fair. So it's going to definitely be great to see TNA live again. They put on great live events. They always have some of the, some of the best talent there. And not only that, they really do a lot of cool shit after the event is over with autographs and pictures and stuff. So hopefully I can go and check it out. The tickets are already on sale. Odds are good seats will be gone for sure. With that said, last bit of wrestling news. They've got to definitely send a uh, uh, well wishes to Scott Hall, who was recently hospitalized. I know it was, it was not for anything alcohol-related. He actually ended up having a double pneumonia, and you can check out updates on Scott Hall's Facebook account. He, you know, wish him the best. I, I mean... He's a guy who had a ton of talent and between drugs and alcohol. He's just had a really, a really shitty hand. Uh, whenever I see news about Scott Hall, it, it concerns me just because I hope, you know, I hope it isn't, oh, we're sad to say that he's dead. You know, it, it's really shitty. You're talking about a guy yet, you know, from, from Razor Ramon to the NWO, he's had a lot of, a lot of great moments. Yeah, he, doesn't, he, he didn't know when to hang it up, but... Uh, on the same on the same token, you don't want to see guys like that drop dead because they continue to just cater to the stereotype of wrestlers dropping like flies. That about wraps up the wrestling segment for this week. I actually give it, gave it a little bit more time than I anticipated. But with that said, let's get into some video games. First off, for those of you that were excited about the Sly Cooper uh, video game series being redone in HD, know that there are rumors going around that Ratchet & Clank will also have an HD compilation on the PS3. Of course, the God of War compilation got the ball rolling on that, and the recent successes of that have, of course, motivated guys to continue raping our pockets by remaking the games in HD and adding bonus content. Um, it seems that one little sticking point is the fact that Insomniac will not be assisting in the HD Ratchet & Clank remake. Um, Insomniac posted on their Twitter account that they won't make it, but they'll support Sony if they decide to do it. Um, of course, like I said, the Sly Collection is being made by Sanzaru Games and not by Sucker Punch. So, again, Insomniac not, Insomniac not having their hands in the compilation is, is a bummer, obviously, because they made the game, but I, I don't think it's going to detract from, from, the, from the awesomeness and, and the overall fun gameplay that was provided for sure. Um, in a recent survey that was put out, IPSOS Media, who I've never heard of, said that 64% of gamers prefer physical game discs to downloaded digital games. Over 1,000 gamers were surveyed, and only 45% preferred their music on disc or their games on DVDs. They said that, of course, 
one of the reasons is that pre-played, you know, pre-played games are part of the driving force with that. Look, the fact is that, especially when you're looking at studies like this, you're asking a group of people if they would prefer to own something physically versus having something stored elsewhere. Again, there are going to be some of us that prefer to have more space in our houses so we don't have, a, you know, 100 game boxes or 100 DVDs. But on the flip side, until they really come up with a medium that allows your, your, your games and your saves to be stored on a cloud where things are protected and where if your console explodes tomorrow, all you have to do is buy a new console, put in some information, and boom, all your stuff is restored versus... You know, on Xbox Live, it, it, it kind of works that way, but I, I personally feel more comfortable owning a tangible piece of, of, heart, of, of software. I want to own the disc. I want to have an instruction manual on the box. Until Internet speeds are comparable to providing consistently, you know, consistent streaming HD content and cloud storage becomes the norm and it's, you know, dedicated and protected, I personally will continue to support owning physical media above all others. Now, before I go into the rest of the gaming news, I want to actually talk about the fact of what I received in the mail this week. This week I received um, Best Buy's entry into video game magazines called At Gamer. Um, now, of course, Best Buy putting out uh, a video game rag, as I like to call it, isn't a bad thing. But the fact of the matter is that they're putting out a magazine that they want you to pay for. I got the magazine in the mail, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're a valued um, Best Buy Reward Zone member and blah, blah, blah. You've been selected to receive the first issue of blah, blah, blah for free. Okay. I open up the magazine. I expect to not see a price tag. No, I see $5.99 on there. So Best Buy is going to put out this little rag, and they're going to charge you 6 bucks for it, and, you know, there's the allure of coupons that will save you money on games. whoop the fucking do You want me to pay $5.99 to read game news that me personally have talked about in previous broadcasts. You want me to pay $5.99 to read about the games and the publishers that you choose to give a hand job to. It, that's really it. I mean, they, they, they're saying that they're going to remain... Um, impartial, and they're, they're just going to cover the gaming news from a, from a realistic standpoint. No, you're not. Print media thrives on advertisements. If you read any Maxim video game, even, here's a great example. Occasionally, I thumb through the occasional muscle and fitness. A buddy of mine at my office decided to test something out. The Muscle and Fitness magazine had 127 pages. He said, I'm going to be a dick and I'm going to count through all the ads. He counted through the magazine, and that was 127 pages, and 87 pages were ads. 87 out of 127. It's ridiculous. And in looking through the Gamer magazine, I started noticing a decent number of ads in there. It wasn't too bad, and it had its little coupons and shit, but... Let me tell you something. You got IGN, Metacritic, uh, Games, GameSpot. You want to get even niche, 
Girl Gamer. You can get even more niche gaming angels, uh, SFX 360, hell, MyTakeRadio.com, Northeast Wasteland, uh, VGNRadio.com. We all cover half of the shit that's in print already, if not all of it. Of course, we're in our own unique ways and with our own unique messages, but we already cover the shit. And guess what? It's fucking free. What allure is there other than wanting to have something in the bathroom or needing to read something on the subway or the bus in spending $6 for a, for a video game magazine? There's really no residual value in that. And, you know, I referenced it a little bit more in detail in the article on the site, but the fact is that when you buy an EGM, which is a magazine I used to read religiously growing up, it's basically, oh, this game gets our gold, our gold award this month, and blah, 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 and Dan Shu, and he thinks that this game is great because of this, this, and this. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's not unbiased and it's not balanced, but sometimes you can really see the, 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 you can really see the publisher dangling his balls in, in the publication's mouth. It's there. It really is there, and you do see it. And even on the web, sometimes I'll read a, a review on IGN or I'll read a review on some of these bigger sites, and you can really see that the writers are, are, are trying hard to sell you on a game that sometimes is utter shit. I think uh, I, I really want to say it was IGN, I think. I remember that they, before the game Wet came out, they you know, they went to great lengths at acknowledging its, its remarkably new style of gameplay and how great it was and how it was going to be a bestseller and yada, yada, yada. I really want to say it's IGN if I'm wrong. I apologize to, to IGN, of course. But the fact is, after you played Wet, it was total horseshit. Yeah, it was a cool game, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, this game should be rated a nine cool. It was... Hey, this game's a solid five that I can play as a rental and I wouldn't drop 60 bucks for. I, I don't see print media continuing to be successful in an era of RSS feeds, dedicated websites, and just free content. What, what other incentive is there to pay $6? Don't get me wrong. I still buy magazines, and I still buy some of them. I buy Maxim because, you know, it's always a good magazine to have around, and... I buy the, you know, the occasional PC magazine, the occasional video game magazine, but it's not, it's not to the extent of, oh, my God, I'm going to subscribe to it, because most of the other magazines I read cover video games in some shape, way, or form, and again, it's all unoriginal content. There's no particular special feature for sure. It's always the same rehash shit or the same stroke job we see in every other issue. That's my little rant on that. I'm just going to go through the rest of the gaming news because I can probably shit on printed magazines for another hour or so, and there's no necessity for that. If you want to read the rest of my thoughts, head over to MyTakeRadio.com and share your thoughts in the comments section, or by all means, stop in the forum as well. And if you want to discuss it, 347-324-3541 is the number. For those of you that are fans of the Final Fantasy series, of course, I said that Final Fantasy XIV will not be appearing on the Xbox 360. Uh, the producer for the game, uh, Hiromichi Tanaka, said that he wasn't doing it because of the closed nature of Xbox Live. He went on to elaborate further this week by saying, Live is different to the normal Internet environment. 
So when we wanted to introduce this game in the same environment as Windows PC, it had to be PS3. So that was our choice, Tanaka said. Microsoft has a different point of view. They want to have a closed environment for Xbox Live. We're still talking to Microsoft, but we just couldn't come to an agreement. Final Fantasy XIV is going to come out on the PC in September and on the PS3 in March of 2011. And, of course, I'm going to give credit to the crew at OneUp.com for that. For those of you that like to play games on Xbox Live, there's going to be a little bit of an update next week. You're going to be getting a new display update for the arcade games on the Xbox 360 dashboard. It's going to be called Destination Arcade. It's going to let you view all over 250 arcade games. Of course, besides being able to view them, you'll be able, it'll also show you games that friends like and recommend games that are similar to titles you may have played previously. That new display, like I said, is going to be launching July 14th and you're going to be able to find that in the Games Marketplace section in the dashboard. Um, again, Xbox doing little updates to continue to re in its continuing efforts to re keep Xbox Live fresh and original. I personally have always found the, um, the navigation to be cool and, and really straightforward, but based on the pictures I've seen with this new display, I have a feeling that one of the reasons they're doing it is because they want to have it ready for when the Kinect comes out to allow, of course, gesture control of all the menus. And, of course, Destination Arcade seems to be the step in the right direction to prepare the console for that. In some Konami news, they actually announced today that they will be releasing Castlevania Harmony of Despair for Xbox Live Arcade on August 4th. That's going to be the multiplayer uh, Castlevania game. I've seen some initial pictures of it. It looks interesting. I really like Castlevania, the series. I, I'm a huge fan of Symphony of the Night. I really enjoyed it. I actually like the new upcoming Castlevania title as well. So I'm definitely going to look into this, especially with the multiplayer aspect. The game is going to run for 1,200 Microsoft points, and it's going to have six-player co-op, so I'm more than sure a lot of people are going to want to check that out for sure. Um, last week I talked about the wonderful Hulu functionality that's going to be coming out for the PlayStation 3 that originally was going to be slated for PlayStation Plus subscribers but it seems that that is not going to be the case. One Up posted a comment from a Hulu representative recently that said, with the launch of Hulu Plus, there have been rumors started and we're trying our best to remedy the situation that the service is going to only be for PlayStation Plus. The PlayStation Plus service is only a requirement during the preview period. Once the preview period ends, you should be able to download the Hulu Plus app, but that will still require a Hulu Plus subscription. As of right now, we are limiting the number of users but Hulu Plus will be launching into the public very soon. Of course, in regards to that, there's also rumors going around that there will be another version of Hulu which will not have commercials, which of course will not be $10. You know, you're going to make people pay $10 for Hulu Plus because of the added functionality for cell phones and iPads and Android phones and all this shit. And then you're going to release another version without commercials and charge more. How about you make the one with commercials just available for everybody else, and then you charge for the one without commercials and make that available to portable um, consumers as well, whether it's an iPhone, an iPad, or um, an Android phone. I really don't see the, 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 the sense in making people pay 10 bucks to watch content with commercials still. I think it's fucking stupid to say the least for sure. For those of you that are fans of Dragon Age, guess what? Dragon Age 2 is already being worked on, and you should be seeing that probably next year. Um, 
the game is going to be called Dragon Age 2, and it's going to follow the character of Hawk as he becomes the champion of Kirkwall. Of course, they're not, they're not elaborating whether you're going to be able to create a, completely custom char- a complete custom character or not, but it's definitely going to be a continuation of the same successful formula that's made the first edition of Dragon Age such a highly sought-after and very popular game. I've been trying to take some time to play Dragon Age. Everybody tells me that it's really good. Um, of course, it was a no-brainer that there would be a sequel, but if you are looking forward to it and are a fan of the series, uh, there's going to be a trailer coming out August 17th, which I'm going to try to put on MyTakeRadio.com as soon as it comes out. Activision actually put out some good news in regards to DJ Hero, besides the fact that DJ Hero 2 is going to come out and they're going to rape you to use two turntables. They actually took the opportunity to acknowledge the fact that the game is actually starting to be successful. DJ Hero actually gained some momentum and has now sold 1.2 million units, which is, which is really good considering that it started off really slow. I think part of the reason is the fact that, again, word of mouth helped and the price break. You know, now the price is dropping more and more people are starting to play it. Let me tell you, DJ Hero is a very enjoyable game. It's a great game to have if you have a lot of people by the house. Um, it's very uh, party-friendly, very easy to pick up, and very enjoyable for sure. So I'm really glad that it got successful. What I'm not so glad about is the fact that Activision is going to go and release the second one, and they want you to use two turntables and a mic and blue and blah, 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 and all this bullshit I, I personally think that just keeping the turntable and releasing a, a, a game with new tracks and stuff or just doing all downloadable content is the way to go. And if you're going to release the game, at least add innovation to the game presentation and don't try to add innovation to make people want to spend more money to own more plastic turntables and more fucking instruments and shit for sure. The fact of the matter is that, again, very successful game. Very glad that it's there just not a really big fan of how Activision is going about um, continuing to milk the franchise for all it's worth. Red Dead Redemption, of course, one of the top-selling games of 2010 thus far. Some people are going as far as saying that it's going to be game of the year. Well, guess what? You're going to get some downloadable content. There's going to be four downloadable content packs coming out for Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network. The first one you're going to get is going to be called Legends and Killers. That one's going to be coming out in August for 10 bucks. You're going to get new characters, new weapons, and active map, map locations, both free roaming and multiplayer modes. You're also going to be getting zombies. Because, of course, you know, every game has to have fucking zombies in it because it's the end-all, be-all. Like I said, Legends and Killers is going to be the first one. It's going to come out in August. It's going to be either 800 Microsoft points or 999. You're going to get nine new multiplayer map locations. You're going to get eight new multiplayer characters, including some from the original Red Dead Revolver. You're also going to get a new projectile weapon, the Tomahawk, which is going to be available in multiplayer and single-player challenges. You're also going to be getting new achievements as well as new trophies. The next pack after that is going to be called Liars and Cheats. There's no launch date scheduled yet. You're going to get attack and defend multiplayer competitive mode and challenges. You're also going to get multiplayer horse races along with mounted combat. You're going to be able to play as the heroes and villains of Red Dead Redemption, and you're also going to get eight new multiplayer characters. You're also going to get multiplayer versions of Liar's Dice and Poker from the single-player game, and your new weapon is going to be the Explosive Rifle, and, of course, more new achievements and new trophies. The next one after that 
is going to be free roam, no launch date and no price yet. You're going to get new free roam challenges. You're going to get new action areas and defensive placemats. You're going to get posse scoring and leaderboards. You're going to get also new anti-griefing measures in free mode. And last but not least, the zombie pack, which is going to be called the Undead Nightmare. Launch date, of course, to be determined. 800 Microsoft points or 999. You're going to get a new single-player adventure with new challenges and quests. You're going to get eight new multiplayer zombie characters. You're going to get new animals to hunt, and you're going to get new dynamic events and, of course, trophies and achievements as well. So they're going to definitely uh, be milking this for all it's worth. But you know what? Ten bucks, not too bad. More multiplayer maps, definitely a plus. I mean, I would have gone five bucks personally. That's just the uh, the, the more frugal uh, side of me doing the talking in re- in, re- in regards to that. But nine ninety nine, not so bad. Now, with that said, we're going to get into the movie segment. Of course, uh, I'm going to be br- bringing Slick and Kai back in so we can wrap up some of the movie news from last week as well as discuss some of the movie news for this week. With that said, I hope both guys are ready, and I'm going to bring them in. Let's bring in Slick first. Slick, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Let's bring Kai in as well. Kai, are you there? Hey, what's going on? What's going on, dude? Welcome back. Yeah, I'm sorry. I tried to call in earlier, but uh, fucking Skype is retarded. I guess I, you have to put, like, plus one for, like, a U.S. code before it will connect. So it kept throwing out fucking errors, and... Uh, I'm also the back through the window, so uh, we should be good. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, dude. I mean, Skype is temperamental. Don't feel bad. I was worried about broadcasting the show because when I got home from work, I had no internet. So, you know, uh-huh. we're, we're 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 all connected and we're all we're all on. So, um, uh, you know, we're all ready to rock and roll. Before I get into the movie news this week, I am gonna tell you guys, um, like I said at the beginning of the broadcast, I took my fiance out for her birthday, and part of her present that I surprised her with was that I did something totally out of character that um, I was really on the fence about sharing with you guys, but I took her to see Eclipse. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you know, I took her to see Eclipse. Uh, You know, I definitely, I dozed off at least three, I dozed off three times during the movie, for sure, that I can remember. And I'm going to give you pretty much the rich review of this movie. Number number one, if you pee standing up and you like to have sex with women, this movie is not for you. Wow. Period. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and let me tell you why. And I'm not even going to go into... I'm not going to go into the, the, the details as to why that's the case, but I'm going to just reference it like this. The whole movie, even though it's based on a book series, and I'm more than sure the books are remarkably better than the movie, and, and you know, my fiancé shared that sentiment, the fact of the matter is that the whole movie from start to finish is all one big two and a half hours of sappy emo dialogue. Oh, and so they're not just staring at each other now? They're actually talking? That's cool. Well, they're actually talking, but I'm, I'm going to just go into a couple of, uh, of things that I can definitely say I did not like. Number one. Kristen Stewart is a terrible fucking actress. Terrible. Terrible. She spends all her time... Let me tell you something. There should be a drinking game dedicated to how many times she bites her lip in the movie. 
Because I noticed that. I noticed that little that little issue she has. She bites her lip. I don't know if it's her trying to be cute or her failed attempt at being sexy. Bitch, you're not sexy. And yeah. you have an overbite. So fuck <laughs> you. You're not. That's number one. Number two, we get it. The werewolves are in good shape. Stop making us feel bad. Those motherfuckers <laughs> spent 90% of the time shirtless. I understand you guys turn into fucking giant dogs, and that's great, but stop making us feel bad. You know that half of these guys that get dragged by their girlfriends to see it, they see these fucking guys, and they're like, fuck, she probably likes Jacob because he's in shape. <laughs> you know? It really, it really helps add to the inferiority complex. Let me tell you something. If you don't go to the gym or give a fuck about your body, you're going to go watch that movie, and after it's over, you're going to kill yourself. Because every chick that was... Let me tell you something. The minute that fucking llama face uh, Taylor Lautner showed up on screen shirtless, there was a massive orgasm in the theater. It was just like, ah, he's so dreamy. I'm like... Yeah, they're making fun of him already because that movie coming out, Vampires Suck, they had a Taylor Lautner lookalike, and the chick's like, why are you taking off your shirt? And he's like, it's in my contract. I have to take off my shirt once every ten minutes. Yeah, but you know what? Let me tell you something. That motherfucker, he can do 50 interviews. 50. And he can say that, oh, Taylor, how do you feel about being objectified in this movie? Well, you know, it's not that big deal. You lying son of a bitch. Let me tell you something. If I were his age and I was paid to be shirtless, and I was chiseled out of a fucking stone like they made that kid be. Let me tell you something. He probably had diet boot camp. He's pro- you know, he's a teenager. He's like, yo, man, I'm going to go and get a slice of pizza. No, you're not. You're going to sit here and do 500 more crunches. But, but I want to go and have a pizza with the rest of the cast. No. But, but why is Robert Pattinson able to go and have pizza? Because that nigga's never naked. <laughs> That's fun. Let me tell you something. That pasty, that pasty fucking English fuck, all he did throughout that movie was piss and moan about the fact that his chick wanted to fuck the guy that turns into a dog. Well, yeah. It I was... Mean, he's upset. It was stupid. It was... And let me tell you another thing. There was a whole big climactic battle between, you know the Cullens and these, these newborn vampires and the werewolves were involved. Why the fuck is it that when somebody got decapitated, their neck, their head ripped off like, a, like when you break a vase? There was, okay. there was, dude, like people were getting punched in the face and their faces and their heads were exploding like when you throw a vase oh. on the floor. Like they were made out of porcelain. And, you know. Well, they are fragile, apparently. Uh, yeah, well, it's funny because, you know, in, in a part of the story, they're recounting how the fact that, you know, they're, they're the stone men, you know, like the Indians are like, oh, yes, stone men, pale face come in, and blah, 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 and we attack them, and that's why we hate vampires. I'm like, they turn to porcelain when you hit them. Wow. Well, I mean, and then they... So- <laughs> yeah, look. Well, the, the whole, the, the premise of Eclipse, right, is that, the chick, the, the whiny bitch, right? She's getting, like, both sides to uh, fight against each other, right? 
Like she's getting the werewolves to fight against the vampires. Is that what a uh, is that thing? No. What ends up happening is here's here's the short version. I'm gonna give you the short version of you know the Twilight franchise. First movie. Vampire guy falls in love with chick, stares at her creepily while she sleeps. Three three legit vampires come into town. They notice that the chick is a human. They want to drink her blood. They kill one of the guys. The black guy survives. The, the, the soulmate for the vampire that gets killed, of course, is the one that wants to get revenge in this movie. That is the redhead chick, who, of okay. course, there was a whole big casting issue, and she comes in. She suckers some stupid bastard into creating a newborn vampire army so they can kill the chick. She gets the vampires to play nice with the werewolves. Hilarity ensues. The end. <laughs> wow. That's the That's short version. Uh, let, me, let, let, me, let me go into it like this. The fact is, again, the movie is deaf. Dude, if you have estrogen in your body, it's for you. If you're a red-blooded guy that likes violence and action movies and people getting killed and bloodshed and likes a good steak and, and you know, has, has, a, has a penchant for hardcore pornography, this is not your movie. I must have said, ugh, at least six times. And if, and if my wife were awake, I, she, she'd call in and she'd be like, yeah, I, she, she must have chuckled at least ten times in the movie. When I saw fucking guys explode like porcelain, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And she was like, yeah, but the movie's PG-13. Then, then why do such a huge, elaborate battle if yeah. nobody's going to fucking get ripped to shreds? It was utter horseshit. Well, speaking of falling asleep, like the, uh, the second movie, so I haven't seen the first one, but I have seen some of the second movie. And uh, basically, I, my girlfriend just fucking harassed me until uh, I, I caved in. I downloaded the fucking movie because, you know, that's how I roll. I, you know, I wasn't even going to fucking rent this thing. So I downloaded the shit. She's watching it. I passed the fuck out. I was tired. <laughs> and I, I, I woke up, and literally this is, this is the dialogue uh, I heard. Now, the, the, was it Jacob? Is the werewolf kid, right? And then... Uh, yeah, llama, the, llama face. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then <laughs> the blue steel, the whole fucking movie. And then the, the chick, I guess he cut his hair or something. And literally she's like, oh, it's you. You cut your hair. And I woke up to that because my mind was like, that's probably the most retarded fucking line I've ever heard in the delivery of it. And I woke up and I looked up and it was Twilight Two, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna go back to sleep because uh, I, I can't fucking do this shit." So yeah, that's that's been my experience with the uh, with series. Well, well, you know, you know what it is, and and I'm gonna tell you something. I've said it in previous broadcasts, and I'll stick to it. I don't hate the movies because every movie has an audience. I'm just not part of that audience. You know, same thing with Harry Potter. I've seen the Harry Potter movies. They were, re- they were well done. But what happens is you have these fans, these, these real hot, and they actually have a category for them. They're called Twihards. Oh, God. They should, they should be called Twitards because yeah. it's like, oh, my God. Let me tell you, I went into the bathroom after the movie, and my wife is in the bathroom. There's a little 12-year-old girl, and she's talking to her mom, and she's like, you know, Mom, they didn't do this like the book. They didn't do that like the book. And, and you know, and the werewolves. And it's like, are you fucking... Bitch, do you study for a test this hard? <laughs> do, you, 
Do you, you little 12-year-old, do you study? Do you know anything about anything in the world? I bet you you know fucking Taylor Lautner's waist size, but if I told you what's fucking 99 cents plus tax, you'd tell me it's 99 cents. Well, you, you know what it gets me about the whole Twilight thing? Like, I, I understand that every generation, you know, we, we have to have those Teen Angst movies, you know, like you have The Breakfast Club and all those John Hughes movies and shit. You know, I, I, you're going to have Teen Angst, you know, no matter what, and obviously, you know, with the way Hollywood is, they're just going to keep recycling shit for, you know, the teen audience, you know, because there's plenty of kids going through puberty or fucking, you know, discovering that, you know, being an adult sucks. But my whole thing with the Twilight thing is that you have this one chick, right, and then, like, there's this love triangle, right? That, that's what I've gathered so far between the, the werewolf kid and the fucking vampire guy. But the whole thing is, like, whenever someone dumps her or whatever shit doesn't go this chick's way, she just goes into a ball in a fetal position and then fucking cries about it. Like, that's not teen angst. That's just being a bitch. You know, that's not dealing with your problems. And I, I, the worst thing about the whole Twilight thing is, like, she's like a, a shitty fucking, uh, I hate to say it, but, like, fucking, uh, like a role model, you know, to, like, all these girls. That are, and, like you're saying, you know, they know all the stats, you know, like, they're on the back of a fucking baseball card and shit. And, you know, I, I, is this what girls are going to emulate now, that when they don't get their way, they just crumple up in the field positions and start crying? You know, like... Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, and I'm actually going to bring Bob in. He's actually, uh, he's probably calling from California right now, and um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting, his take on it, because, see, Bob lives in, lives in Florida, and, you know, Florida's a hotbed of everything fucking tween that goes on, and I say that because you got fucking Disney World down there, you got Spring Break that goes on down there, you got all kinds of crazy shit that go on. And for some reason, Florida seems to react a little bit differently. Uh, I've seen posts from, and they usually happen in Florida, where you see, like, the girl with the Edward Cullen bag, and she's being all sullen and shit. And I'm like, I'm like, give me a fucking break. It's a book. It's a fucking book, and it's for tweens. And you're, like, 40, wearing an I Heart Jacob t-shirt. You fucking old bitch. It's like you work in Starbucks. And you're wearing a, a, a Team Jacob shirt. It's like, how about a Team Get a Real Career shirt? How about, you know, Team I Love to Actually Have Real Sex? There was actually a lady, and I wish I could find it, where she actually got divorced with her husband because she was obsessed with Twilight. Really? What the fuck is that? What is that shit? Oh, but you know what? Let me bring bring Bob in. Oh, no, the guy divorced her because she lived, breathed, and and thought only about Twilight. How does that happen? How the fuck does that happen? Well, people just cling on to shit, man. You know, like like when I I first saw Fight Club, right, that that movie fucking changed my life. And I know it's like cliche to say and shit, whatever. But, you know, I was going through a, a rough time and I watched Fight Club and I was like, wow. You know, and then uh, that that kind of, you know, you just, one of those movies, you just cling to it, and, you know, like, still to this day, like, every couple months I gotta watch it. But you know what, I'm not gonna fucking, I don't walk around going, I want you to hit me as hard as you can, or fucking, you know, but, you know, it's only from the, after you've reached the bottom that you can climb to the top of shit. I mean, you know, I'm not gonna go fucking spouting off that shit, and these kids with the fucking Twilight shit, I just, I don't fucking get it, man. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let me let me bring let me bring Bob in because I'm more than sure 
he, he's dying to share his wisdom with us. Um, I think it's this. Bob, is that you? Yo, what's going on, Rich? What's going on, dude? Not much, man. Uh, me and Bronx and Laura and Hyena were all in the car here listening to your broadcast, and uh, you will not believe the amount of Twilight bullshit that is out here in California. Okay. Oh, my God. How bad is it? Hey, I thought it was bad in Florida, dude. There is Tweeaboos all over this place like fucking life at a dog's ass. What are they called? Twihard. 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 That shit is out here. Freaking, even Knott's Berry's Farm, dude, you got to decide what team you're on. If you're on Team Colin or Team Faggot Werewolf. <laughs> oh, my God. And every person in Universal wearing one of these shirts is some fat chick named Heather. <laughs> you know, let me tell you something. It's the goddamn truth. Let me tell you something, and it's terrible, but I really have to say, why is it that fat chicks always gravitate towards Twilight? Is it their, is, is it their hope that some swarthy, pale vampire will come and, instead of biting them and giving them eternal life, will suck all the fat out of their bodies and make them thin? Or maybe it's the hope that some strong, shirtless guy will be able to pick them up and carry them on their back like a llama. You know, like, what the fuck is that? And dude, always you know, the only reason those kids are ripped is because they fucking pump cell tech. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terrible. It is terrible. That, But, you know, it's the worst part of the whole thing is, and again, I don't want to shit on the franchise from using my own personal bias because it isn't fair. But, but it really is the fans that ruin shit. Yep. Because it's, it's really not the worst movie ever. I've seen worse shit. But no, it, it's, it's up there, man. It's pretty fucking Actually, bad. Actually, dude, in this case, it is the medium that destroys itself, too, because it's very shittily written. Yes. It's a, it's a, it's a freaking teenage chick steam novel. Yep. That's a good way to look at it. It's exactly what it is, dude. Chicks slick themselves this stuff constantly, and whoever wrote this crap is making such a mint off it, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, you know, Stephanie Mayer, who, who wrote the shit, is making <laughs> super, super bank right now. And then, you know, the next movie, pretty much, from what I've gathered, they're saying that the, like chick, becomes, the, the chick becomes pregnant, and then they were talking about how Basically, the wolf's imprint, which I guess is you find your soulmate, and the fucking guy, oh, God. Llama, okay. llama face, llama face, imprints himself on her unborn fetus, which makes me wonder: <laughs> does that does that basically mean he wants to fuck her fetus? Because if it's your soulmate and you're like you're like 18, and the girl you're pining for is pregnant, and you're imprinted on her baby, does that mean you want to marry her baby? You Wait, know, so like, what, you were never what, in high school and you I never had a crush on an unborn teen? 18-year-old girls are going to go out and get knocked up by stoned-up goth guys. Dude, that, it's, 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 dude, when I read that, and, and you, know, I asked, you know, I asked my wife, I'm like, is this true? And she's like, yeah, basically, you know, when they imprint, it's pretty much you find your soulmate, you know, which is the equivalent of, you know, giving a girl a quaalude and dragging her back to your apartment and telling her you're marrying her when she wakes up. So... Oh. <laughs> that, 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 dude, that, that's pretty much it. So this guy, this kid, you know, he, he fucking is in love with the girl, but he imprints on her kid. What the fuck? Who thinks this shit up? I want to fuck your kid. Really sex act. 
it's like I want to fuck your fetus. Like what? Wait, so the soulmate, the soulmate is the is the unborn child. Yeah, dude, the the the, the you know llama face imprints himself. You know, is is imprinted, and everybody's like, oh, he's gonna imprint himself on the chick. You know, which they alluded to in this movie. And yeah. supposedly, according to what she told me, he imprints himself on on the baby. So I don't know if he's supposed to marry the the the, the baby when it grows up. Or he's supposed to protect the baby, but it's like your your soulmate is a fetus. So he wants to fuck a fetus. That's what I'm gathering. Like, you want to marry? You want to marry Blade? It's like you want to marry Blade. Like what the fuck? Wow. Can you believe that shit? Like who who thinks of this shit? Is it, this is the fourth? There's another movie or book or whatever they're gonna adapt. So there's gonna be a fourth movie. Yep. Oh, my fucking God. Wow. Oh, it was funny because, you know, I told you about Twilight leading to a divorce. I actually found the article. It's from the L.A. Times, and I'm just going to read you a little excerpt of it, and I'm glad that Bob is on the line because I'm more than sure he's going to love this. And um, check this out. Crystal Johnson didn't think there was anything unhealthy about her all-consuming fixation with the Twilight Saga until she discovered it was sucking the life out of her marriage. Her husband, Wright, wrote in a journal that his wife has fallen for a golden-eyed vampire, says Johnson, a 31-year-old accountant, who became so enthralled by the blockbuster series of young adult novels and movies that she found herself staying up all night rereading juicy chapters and chatting about casting news and the are they or aren't they romance between the stars of the films. Twilight was always on my mind to the point where I couldn't function. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with people? Oh, it gets better. Like its immortal vampires, Twilight, with its arc, with its archetypical allure of brooding bad boys and forbidden romance, has been ranging from tweens to AARP members. Add in the instant access to the internet, offering 24/7 escape into the Twilight-saturated universe, full of tantalizing info nuggets and a community of like-minded souls. And the result is a growing number of people whose love for this franchise seems to have crossed over from casual to compulsive. No, that's. That's, no, that's wrong. All I can think yeah. of now is all the news footage they've ever showed of Twilight moms, like, pawing at themselves and they see Richard What's-His-Face walking by. Oh, it gets better. Oh. There, is a Twilight, there is a Twilighters Anonymous. Oh, it's a website, a website for fans who want to feed their habit, not kick it. But an increasing number of confessionals have been popping up on community forums from women concerned about their tendency to neglect important aspects of their daily of their daily lives to dip into the fantasy that is Stephanie Mayer's operatic saga saga about Bella, a small town every girl whose mojo attracts the warring affections of a pair of metaphysical hunks, end quote. A vampire Edward and a werewolf Jacob. Yeah. Oh my God. Why can't they and, and story types of this vampire and werewolf crap and do it cool in the old days, like with the white wolf murders and whatnot. Oh, it gets better. Advice portals such as Yahoo Answers have been teeming with desperate-sounding pleas, such as how to calm my Twilight addiction, help me please. Some sites' chat forums have become makeshift support groups full of panic testimonials with comments like, it's like a drug, writes one concerned fan with the username Allie. 
I have to read it or I break down crying. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't I don't want to tell it. Holy I shit. Hear it's unhealthy. Holy shit. Well I I, I, I have advice for her. you know, it's called a shotgun. Just put it in front of your fucking face and pull both triggers. Because uh, if you're crying because you can't like because you haven't read a chapter or watched like ten minutes, yeah, fucking kill yourself. Because that that shit that you're not even a fucking human at that point. Well, you know, it's, oh yeah, it's it's hilarious. And um, I have a, a I'm gonna read a few more excerpts of the article, and I know so I can let so I can let Bob go, but he's gonna love this. Um, there's a there's a lady named Joyce Siokla. She's a she's an engineer. And she runs a website called CullenBoysAnonymous.com. Yep, here we go. And she, and, and she writes, if there is a chemical that's released when you're falling in love, your brain has to have it. And it happens when you're reading or watching Twilight. You get that utmost feeling of first love, and you want to experience it over and over and over again. Oh, my it really, it really is bad, dude. And then, in regards to the uh, to the lady who who almost got divorced, she says, "My husband finally came to me and said, I think you love Twilight more than you love me,' said Johnson, who's become especially attached to the community she'd found online. I ended up moving out of the house and fought for my marriage for six weeks. I had to take a step back and detox myself from Twilight. I was really angry that I had allowed it to suck me in." Now I meet women every single day where Twilight has become a major issue in their marriage. Not infidelity, not chlamydia, not baby mamas, but Twilight. I really would love to hear a judge and, and a couple go up and be like, so why are you two divorcing? My wife loves Edward and Jacob more than me. You should be kicked in the dick. Yeah, no shit. But, oh, you know, people are just looking for excuses. You know, like fucking, you know, are video games addicting? You know, are, are they, you know, people going to go into fucking counseling for that bullshit? Or fucking, you know, I watch too many movies, or I'm online too fucking much, or I, I text or sext or whatever the fuck they're calling now. You know, just people looking for fucking excuses, and they find an outlet for it, and it just feeds into the fucking frenzy, man. It's just bullshit. It, it, it really is. It, it's sad, but it really shows that the Internet is such a powerful medium in helping these certain niche groups get popularity. You know, it's like when Harry Potter came out and people were online and, you know, there were the YouTube videos of the guys screaming the ends of the books. Or you got the guys who became diehard uh, Fight Club fans and you'd, you'd see Project Mayhem T-shirts or guys with their heads shaved. Or, look, I love Fight Club and the book did change my life and it gave me such a real disillusioned view of the world. But you know what? I don't, I don't want to attribute my mental fuck-ups to just a book. It just helped accelerate the process. Yeah. That's all it was. And the Twilight books, what's happening is you've got all these women that, you know, let's, let's use this married lady. The married chick, her husband thinks she's fucking, you know, she, she's obsessed with this book. It, it makes you ask yourself as a man, how, am, how is my marriage over because of a book? What the fuck am I doing wrong? Like, if your wife is really ignoring you because of a book, then something is fucking wrong with you as well. Well, I, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, on one hand, yeah. You know, it's like, dude, you know, fucking keep your shit in check, you know, keep her happy. And then on the other hand, it's like, 
maybe she is just a complete fucking psycho. And you know what? You don't need that shit. You know? Just cut the fucking cord, and then that's it. Because if your chick is fucking all about a fucking... You know, it doesn't even have to be Twilight, dude. Like, I understand everyone's got hobbies and fucking interests and shit. But, dude, if she's all, like, fucking sweating the fucking Twilight fucking rock hard, then, uh, yeah. Fuck that, dude. Yeah, it, it's really, it, it's sad, and, and you know, it's funny, I, it seems that, that Twilight struck a nerve, so I got a, a few other uh, other callers in. Um, where is he? Dark Helmet. Yes, sir. Are you there? What do you, what do you have, my friend? What do you, what do you have to share on this uh, Twilight awesomeness of the evening? First... Anyone who has a, um, any females from age 13 to who the fuck knows, knows that when Eclipse came out, we were bombarded with, oh my god, oh my god, the movie, the movie, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, all this shit, you're like, shut the fuck up. You, you don't dare say it, because there'll just rage on your face, but every This is true. But, oh my god, oh my god, I can't wait, can't wait, two hours, can't wait, they're like, what? the fuck is wrong with you? It's not that important. And, like Bob was saying, because we were just at Universal in uh, Hollywood, I, a couple days ago, I went to, like, Hollywood with my aunt. Freaking billboards, posters, Twilight everywhere. Okay, Hello Kitty has a, I like place, I like to a sparkle. And that mother was like, what the fuck? She saw that. I want the fuck. I understand it's a franchise. I understand it's like, apparently it's like it's incredibly eroticism or whatever the fuck it is for like all these un- underloved women out there, but what the fuck, man? Seriously. It really, you, you know what it is? You, you know what it is, and I'm not, I'm not going to beat this up too much. The fact is that there, there are certain triggers out there that, that attract a certain audience. In this particular situation, what's happening is you got this movie, you know, you got, you know, you got the brooding, uh, you got the brooding bad boys, you know, fighting over some chick, and, you know, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of unsatisfied and unhappy women out there, and, you know, before I turn this show into fucking Dr. Phil, I, you know, <laughs> it, it ha- it's like Fight Club. It's like, you know, going back to my Fight Club thing, sometimes it takes a certain trigger, like, I've always had a shitty view of the world because that's just the way I am. And then certain things, you have a moment of clarity, you have an epiphany, whether it's a book, whether it's a movie, whether it's somebody talking to you, whether it's a, a teacher. Something comes into your life that says, hey, this is how your thought process should be, and you should follow it. Same thing is happening with Twilight. You see all these women that, you know, maybe they don't have that excitement in their lives. Maybe they don't have that, that they've never had anybody really fight for them. And, and these are their outlets. And you know what it is? It, and, and going back to what Kai said about, you know, it always being fat girls, and Bob said it as well, the fact is that maybe that's what they, what they are missing. You know, it's little things like that, but what's happening is that it's becoming not just, a, you know, a coffee clutch or a small group. It's becoming, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 hundreds and thousands of, and it's all women, oh my god, I love you, Edward, oh, I love Team Jacob, you know, I can understand a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 12-year-old girl, but when you're talking about middle-aged women with fucking kids, 
like I'm on Team Jacob, like fighting with their 12-year-old daughter about what team they're on. It's like, you know, Mossberg, semi-automatic, please, <laughs> please. You know, it, it, that's all I'm saying. I think that these movies are just a catalyst for for certain people that have un, uh, that have underlying issues to come out of the woodwork. This doesn't surprise me. And I'm more than sure in a few years it'll be something new. Maybe it'll be a guy that turns into a cockroach and the woman he's in love with, and everybody will love it, you know, and there'll be women like, I love my cockroaches too, <laughs> yeah. and all kinds of shit. I'm, dude, this is just a cycle. It happened with Harry Potter. Still happening, shit. I could tell you all the stuff about when Harry Potter grand opened, people freaking at, uh, at Universal, people waiting around, watching midnight movies until 2 a.m., leaving, going to IHOP for two hours, pulling a train be first in line at the toll booth, which opened at 5 a.m., so they could be first in line for the park opening at 8 a.m., so they could be waiting four and a half hours after everything else to get in there just to be there on opening day. And you're like, what the fuck? That's, that, like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be the, it's going to be, it's going to be the end-all, be-all, but not to beat a dead horse, I'm going to, I know Ark is holding. I'm just going to bring her in next, and we're going to try and wrap up this movie segment because we, we can dedicate a whole show to just shitting on Twilight, and who knows? Maybe in the future there'll just be an all-shit-on-Twilight episode. But um, I... it, it, until then, uh, let, me, let me just run through the switchboard and finish up the movies. But thanks for the call, Helmet. I appreciate it. Episode 50, man. Fuck yeah. Thanks, man. Later. Bye. All right, we're going to bring Ark on the phone. We're going to get a, uh, a a lady's perspective on it. I'm more than sure she's going to shit on it, too, because I, I know her pretty well. But nonetheless, uh, uh, the commentary from, from, the, from the female demographic is always good. Ark? Hello. What's going on? Not too much. Still, uh, still on the highway here, getting back to the uh, hotel room, listening to the show, loving it. Thank you, thank you. So what do you think? What... What, what do you think about this, uh, this growing trend of just twilight weirdness? I have some evidence to your theory. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. actually really please, good. Please share. Okay. Now, this has to do with uh, my sister, actually. She is a 35-year-old woman, highly intelligent, college education, uh, mother to married... Looks great. Takes care of herself. So this is like the perfect specimen for your for you know your argument also. All right. Now, of course, her daughters, my nieces, got into the Twilight series. So any respectable parent wants to know what their kids are reading. Yep. She got into the series, and I looked at her, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" You know, I I, I just, it blew my mind because this is a very well read intelligent woman. I'm like, please explain this to me. What is the fascination with the series? And so she told me. And it pretty much comes down to being, it's like, okay, imagine you're in high school and you're like on the bottom of the food chain at the high school. You know, there's nothing popular about you. You're just the mousy girl in the corner. And then the hot guy loves you. And okay. he only wants to be with you. And that is the allure of the series. Oh, God. So it's, it's, getting, 
it's getting me accepted. It, it's, it's like fulfilling every woman's fantasy about finding her dream guy and just knowing that even, you know, with this shell, they're, they're this beautiful person inside, blah, blah, blah. Now, that's, that's her, pers- you know, that's, that's what she sees it as. And, you know, she does the whole thing with her daughters, you know, the whole um, Team Jacob, Team whatever. And it's cute. And I'll get little posts on Facebook from my sister teasing me, saying that she's going to get me the new Twilight Barbie for my birthday and shit like that, and I have to rage on her. But that's, you know, that, that, that's a very interesting perspective coming from someone who's not, you know, of that fat demographic, you know, like, what, like why do you like this series and everything? So I think that's very important, you know, you know, it, it, it um, it just validates, you know, what you were saying. Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look at it like this, and, and I figured I'd ask you, and, and, you know, and, and you, and, you know, you read a lot, you're an artist, and you, you probably read, read a significant amount of books in your life. It, has it ever gotten to a point where you've read something and you're like, wow, I can really relate to this character on, 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 a, on, a, whole, on a whole different level? Or have you just been at that point where you're like, all right, I can relate to the character, but I'll, you know, I move on? Like, where, where's the trigger point? You know, I mean, this is what makes me very interested in this series because from what I understand, the writing is extremely shallow. And if that's the case, then we're having even more shallow people reading this and saying, aha, and a light switch goes off. So that really bothers me. But um, in my personal readings, yeah, there's been characters where I was like, okay, that's fucking badass. Like, I can think off the top of my head off the Dragonlance series, Raceland, fucking awesome character. But nothing I'm going to cream in my panties over. There you go. I, well, I, so, I'm glad that I'm glad that you called and and, and shared that just because it, it's weird and and again you know my wife she likes the series she's read the books you know she's watching the movies because like anything else you read the books you watch it but it's never gotten to the point it, it was funny because I made a valid argument I said I'm like you know what next time they do a casting since all the werewolves are fucking brown and they're gonna be shirtless. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking try and get casted for it so I can get some money. There you go. <laughs> no talent. These fucking guys. It, it's like I'm on the cover of Men's Health. It's like, what do you do? I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get workout tips from a from a 17 year old kid that hasn't, you know, that hasn't had a girl shit on a glass table yet. You know, oh, like, God. like he's never experienced anything, but he's. <laughs> Now I'm supposed to eat and train so I can look like you. Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> Get out of here. Oh. Well, Rich, I have a treat for you then, okay, since we both share the same equivalent of rage for the series. Um, are you familiar with Rift Tracks? Yes. Okay. And for those who don't know, who are not familiar with Rift Tracks, Rift Tracks is the original, uh, or not the original, but the last trio from Mystery Science 3000, Mystery Science Theater 3000, who has a website that likes to rip on some movies. And the way that it works, like you know, because they can't get the licensing for the movies themselves and put their voiceovers, they sell the audio track of their riff, and you just line it up with the movie. They did this with. They did this with Twilight, 
And oh my God, you want to talk about a laugh fest? That's the only way I've seen the movie, and that's the only way I plan on seeing the movie. They did one to New Moon as well, and it is fucking worth it. Damn, I'm going to have to is see it like dumped? Is it dumped or is it like a commentary? It's a com- it's just like Mystery Science, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, my God, nice. It is great. That's I mean, awesome. the part, the part, as a matter of fact, I think you can go on YouTube and, like, you know, do a little search for Twilight and Rift Tracks, and they'll give you a sample. So you can, like, nice. see it in action. Like, the best part ever was when, uh, I guess, um... The two are running up the hill, you know, because they're experiencing together. Together, it's, it's, they, they run the Benny Hill theme. That's <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it's great. So the whole thing, it is just so worth it. You know, hunt for it. You know, um, you know, buy the riff track. You know, whatever it is you need to do, just you need to see it. Nice. All right. All right. Let's see if I can if I can get the uh, YouTube link and put it on the fan page. There you go. All right. Thanks for calling. Right, I appreciate man. it. Not a problem, man. Take it easy. Later, Rich. You got Everyone's it. Everyone's All right, bye. guys. Later. Bye. All right. With that said, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a, a stop to the to the Twilight shenanigans just because, like I said, we can do a whole show dedicated to that. I'm gonna bring Slick back on, and I'm gonna just talk some of this movie stuff with you and the opinions of that you guys are going to have on this stuff is, is going to definitely be memorable. Of course, last week we closed out talking about the sequel to Titanic. Um, oh my pretty God. much. The movie that's doing it is called The Asylum Production Company. They're going to do a direct-to-DVD sequel of Titanic. It's going to star Brooke Burns, and it's pretty much going to be on the 100th anniversary of the original voyage, a modern luxury liner christened the Titanic 2 follows the path of its namesake. But when a tsunami hurls an iceberg into the new ship's path, the passengers and crew must fight to avoid a similar fate. Oh fuck! And I and I brought I brought Slick in. I brought Slick in because I know he will take much pleasure in this. So I I was I was thinking of um <laughs> I was thinking of possible plot points for Titanic too, right? And I was okay. thinking, of, the, the only the only way it could work in my head, right, was if they they raised it from the bottom of the ocean, and they were like fixing it, like uh, you know, like on like an oil rig or whatever, and then they got it, you know, fully built back up. They they restored the whole thing, and then you know, a fucking breeze went by or whatever, and then it just sunk again. That was the only possible thing I could think of. You know, they have James Cameron there, and the thing from the Abyss, and all this other shit. And then it just sinks again. But, uh, yeah, apparently a tsunami throwing an iceberg at, at the Into the... Yeah. I, that's, uh, I, think, I think the tsunami is throwing the iceberg at the ship because the tsunami doesn't even want to be in this fucking movie. Yeah, no shit. The tsunami's like, fuck your ship, and he just flings an iceberg at it. It's like, it's like who does that? Who? Now playing the tsunami... This glass of water, like, like, and then of course, then of course, in the, in the blurb underneath, it said no word on James Cameron's reaction to the project. James Cameron's too busy counting Avatar money. Yeah, no shit. He doesn't give a fuck. But you know what? It gets better because Jerry Bruckheimer recently talked to MTV about doing a sequel for Top Gun. Oh, god damn it! 
seriously. Top Gun. Yep. That's that's what that's what I need a sequel to. As if there wasn't enough gay fucking shirtless volleyball going on, uh, we need more of that, right? Oh yeah, it gets better. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer said we tried to develop a sequel and we couldn't do it. I was with my partner Doug Don Simpson, and Tom Cruise took it over and he tried to develop something, but it never quite happened. We were recently approached again to start talking about it, you know, but nothing yet. We kicked around some ideas because the aviation community has completely changed since we made the movie a long time ago. Also, I guess playing volleyball shirtless isn't in the fucking code now. Oh, okay. But, um, so we have to find a way. Oh, yeah, so he puts, we have to find a way to incorporate the Maverick character into it. Um, how about not making the movie? Yeah. If, if you're trying this hard to come up with plot points and shit, don't fucking do it. Don't even fucking do it. If all you've got but is the title of the original movie, and then you can't fucking make it work, yeah, no. It really, you know what I, what amuses me? Uh, wh- why not just do a move, uh, do the sequel with Tom Cruise jumping on the couch, the Oprah couch, inside the plane? There you go. It, it, or it's he, like, keeps, he keeps talking back to the radio tower, and he's like, you're so glib. You know, you don't read. And then, you know, it's Matt Lauer talking back to him, and then, you know, he just leads him into a fucking mountain or something. Look, look, I like the the Top Gun movies when when I was growing up. They were awesome. You had jets and people shooting at each other. You're like, all right. Now that you're older and you watch them, it's like any of the other movies you were a fan of when you were younger. You're like, fuck, this movie stinks. Yeah, it's fucking gay. Jesus. And, And it's hilarious, but... You know what? It seems it seems that even that has uh, has elicited a couple of calls. So let's see what uh, what Waffles has to say. Waffles. What's up, Eric? How's it going? What's going on, dude? Well, you made me go what the fuck with the whole Titanic thing. They're making a sequel, which is really a remake because you you have a ship getting hit by an iceberg again. What yep. the fuck is up with that? There's no point in just remaking the movie. First one's good. If they were to remake it, they should have done what this one, it was a fan-made video of a supposed sequel to Titanic where, uh, for me, I thought it was pretty smart. They find um, the body of Jack encased like in a cube of ice and they're able to revive him. So they're showing what would Jack do in the future when he finds what's called Rose is dead and he's by himself. That would be much better story right there for me. And that was a fascinating video on on YouTube. Let me tell you something. I don't know which is worse. The fact that you were looking up a sequel to Titanic on YouTube <laughs> or the fact that someone came up with it. I don't wait, know which wait, is wait, worse. I, I wait, really wait, am wait, wondering. Wait. Uh, hold on. I'm really wondering if you're sitting there with your Pac-Man pajamas watching <laughs> a fan-made trailer and going like, this is fucking awesome. Not, no, and no. it's not even, I'm not even making fun of you. It's like, the, the fact that this shit even exists and you've seen it boggles my fucking mind. <laughs> no, it, it, for me, I came across it because whenever I'm on YouTube, I just look at the random videos, that, like the new videos that are being posted so I don't even right. remember how like I don't know how long ago it's been since I've seen it, but like when I saw it, I was like I actually thought it was gonna be a real sequel, and I was think I was 
like thinking about like what the fuck that's not true so that's why i watched it because i thought it was a real trailer but then when i found out like it was fake i was like oh okay but it looked like a it looked like a good deal because you know with some sequels they're stupid they're either remake or they just completely change the storyline but with this one it looked more believable because it was something different it's not something that you're redoing all over again it's a brand new story which okay makes sense. i mean yeah but you know what it is dude no pun intended, that ship has sailed. Nobody gives a fuck about Jack and Titanic. He drowned in the storm. <laughs> fuck you, throw the stone back in the water, take your old ass to the fucking home, and shut your face, play pinochle until you die. Nobody gives a shit. Look, James Cameron's going to remake the shit in 3D. It's going to happen. Uh, if you yeah. want to do something uh, uh. interesting, then put the Navi on Titanic. That's all, and then ship, sink the fucking <laughs> ship with them on it. Dance with wolves on a boat. That's awesome. Who's who's gonna play the iceberg? That's what I'm curious about. <laughs> Is it gonna be Affleck? Because he was really good no. in Jaws Four. So I think I think Ving Ra- Ving Rhames should play the iceberg. You know, black <laughs> ice always goes well. Always goes well with uh with, with ships. Ah, right. it's terrible. But before Waffles hangs up, here here's one thing I gotta tell you, Waffles. The upcoming Lego movie is going to be better than Titanic 2 and the sequel for Top Gun. I would believe that. And actually speaking about Top Gun, if they make a Top Gun sequel, I'm sure as hell they're going to make a Hot Shots. If you remember that. Yeah, I remember Hot Shots. That was actually amusing until he fucking started shooting a chicken with a bow and arrow. Then I said, all right, all right, you fuckers are trying too hard. Yeah, but... But think about it, they're probably going to end up bringing that back if they bring back Top Gun. Yeah, well, the only way that that movie will be relevant is if Charlie Sheen is trying to stab his wife from the start of the movie to the end of the movie. That's the only way it'd be funny. <laughs> well, hey, speaking of stabbing wives, uh, I know he apparently didn't stab her. Gee, are you hearing this fucking Mel Gibson shit? Yeah, and it's, fu- it's funny, and I'm going to get into that. Um, right. Anything else you want to add, Waffles? No, that's all I'm calling for. All right, man. It wouldn't be a fi- it wouldn't be a fiftieth show without a call from Waffles. So thanks for it, dude. I appreciate it. No, no problem. No problem. I all right, well, we'll be around. Yeah. Later. Yeah. What's up, dude? I thought it was interesting that you said that Cameron would do Titanic two in three D because the the Avatar sequel is supposed to take place in the water. Oh my god. Oh yeah, god. that's hilarious. But but you know what? I got I got to do something for Waffles because he's watching fake Titanic trailers on YouTube. <laughs> it's all right, Waffles. It's okay. It's okay. And and you know I feel terrible that Bob called in and I had saved I had saved this fucking sound clip for him and, and he just couldn't hear Here it. Here I come. What's the problem? Don't underestimate me. I'm awesome! Woohoo! Piece of cake! It, it was so unfortunate. He couldn't enjoy that. But nonetheless, great, great calls from everybody for the 50th show. Now, in regards to Avatar taking place underwater and a sequel for Titanic, it would amuse me utterly if, for some reason, it was them on Earth and, um... They find the ship underwater, and the whole movie takes place inside the sunken ship. 
Like, that would be the end-all, be-all. It would all tie together, like six degrees of, seven, of, of Kevin Bacon. It would be the same shit. It you, would. You're, you're on to something there. Uh, hopefully, movie execs aren't uh, are listening, because uh, I, I think that's going to be penned pretty soon. It's going to get pissed. Watch. Cameron's going to be like, the Navi finds the Titanic. And then it turns out that the Navi homeworld is actually Earth, and uh, the Abyss Monster is there, and, uh, yeah. Dude, it, it, it's, it's crazy because I, I don't mind a sequel to Titanic as long as it's straight to video and it's never talked about ever again, and I can find it at Walmart for 99 cents. My universe will be complete. But the fact that there's actually legitimate news about it and the fact that they're trying to say that James Cameron has no reaction to the project, he, he, his reaction is going to be like, this is going to suck. That's his only reaction. What else is there? The it, way Cameron really can is. give up money, the way he can give up money in Avatar 2 is if they do the, the Avatar Titanic tie-in and take a non-Cameron project and wrap that in there as well. You take Titanic, Avatar, and throw in the sequel to Deep Blue Sea and have that fucking shark kill all the Navi, and I'll, I'll go watch that shit in 3D uh, uh, and, play, uh, and pay 16 bucks for it. And you know what, I watched that too, only if uh, Sam Jackson is the voice of the shark. Because that would be fucking awesome. Dude, these are some tasty blue motherfuckers. Fucking shark ate me. <laughs> That's the thing I would watch that gig too. If Samuel Jackson, they, I, there you go. Samuel Jackson's the iceberg. And he's like, <laughs> getting motherfucking tired of these motherfucking Titanics in my motherfucking ocean. Just fucking sink the bitch. That's hilarious. <laughs> That would be funny. But um, on a serious note, um, some box office totals. Of course, the Twilight Saga ran away with it. $69 million this weekend. Last Airbender came in number two, $40 million. Toy Story 3, $30.2 million. It's made $289 million already. Grown Ups made $18.5 million. Night and Day, I don't know why anybody's watching that, 10.2. The Karate Kid made eight. The Eighteen made three million dollars. Get Him to the Greek made one point two million. Shrek Forever After made seven hundred and ninety-nine thousand dollars. Damn, people must have been really bored. Uh, Cyrus made seven hundred and seventy. Did were any of you guys surprised that the Last Airbender did not get number one? No, because you know we're we're the mouse pit. Uh, spreads quickly, and M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, whatever the fuck his name is pronounced, he, he, he can't make a fucking movie, dude. You know, Sixth Sense and fucking, uh, I really liked Unbreakable. After that, it's fucking shit, dude. And they should have hired anyone but that guy. Because he, he, Shyamalan, fucking whatever, he found a way to fuck up Avatar. And that was like solid gold, like moneymaker, fucking, you know, and they have a wealth of fucking material to go back to. And he fucked that up. Fuck that guy. All right. Fair enough. I, you know what? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm enraged by Shyamalan. Like, I, I don't see why they offered him the job. I don't get it. Like, the guy, his movies have just slowly become, like, failure fest after failure fest. And it's like, you couldn't find anyone else to direct this fucking movie. And I don't care if he's a fan of the fucking show and his kids like it, whatever. That guy, his record, I'm sorry. It's just, he's a fucking loser, and he can't direct a fucking good movie to save his life. 
He made a movie about grass killing people, dude, and they give him fucking Avatar. I called him okay. a year ago when you when you said on the show that he was gonna direct the movie. I said the movie's gonna fucking suck. Okay. Well, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. The problem is too that when you have uh, again, it's like I said, it's a no-brainer. You have very easy source material. But what happens is the director wants to come in and wants to add his own twist on it and put his own imprint on the movie. In, in Shyamalan's case, his imprint was suckitude. I provide suckiness. What does this movie need? It needs more gay Hadouken fighting. That's what it needs, you know? It, it needs that. And, and that's what happens. And people just, like you said, word of mouth can make or break a movie. Snakes on a Plane made a shitload of, mo- of money because people were like, oh, my God, this movie's so awful, but we need to see it. That's just yeah. the way it is. It's like, it's like Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. Piece oh, of shit. I've, I, I, look, I've seen more entertaining shit in a morgue than, on a, than, than that movie. But the fact of the matter is that word of mouth speaks volumes. And, you know, for a movie that's based off an anime, uh, and especially an anime that was really well done, and for it to suck... It, it really is a huge blow, not only to the creative process, but just to, to anime fans who are like, wow, I love this, sh- this show, and it's going to be made into a movie, and then they go see it, and it sucks. Like, like, let me just walk you through a scene, right? Okay? So basically, fucking, <laughs> um, you have these people that are the one, or one tribe, village, whatever, they're, they're earthbenders, okay? So they can manipulate the earth, the uh, stones and shit like that. In the series, right, they they were imprisoned um, in like on a boat. It was like a steel boat, so they couldn't fucking they couldn't. There was no earth, obviously, because they're floating on fucking water, so they couldn't break out. Where where are the earthbenders held in a fucking cell with dirt on the floor? Okay, with the stone oh, foundation. Right. And I'm like, um, okay, and they can't get out. How how the fuck? Okay. And I'm, that, that right there just sums it up. That's how fucking retarded this guy is. Well, oh. you know what? I got I got a good one. You know, we, we spent about, I don't know, 45 minutes shitting on Avatar. Here's a good one. According to Variety, Don Murphy, um, the producer for Transformers from Hell and Natural Born Killers, has joined the big screen adaptation of Rachel Mead's six-book series called The Vampire Academy. Oh, God damn it. Let me, let me enlighten you guys on the Vampire Academy. The Vampire Academy is described as a coming-of-age, action-driven, paranormal romance fantasy. Oh, 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 my God. The story oh. is set in the present day and focuses on a strong yet flawed 17-year-old female who confronts her world with grit and determination. Okay. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it's Harry Potter and Twilight. That's that's pretty yeah, much it, well. Yeah, it, 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 it's Harry Twilight. Wow. And, and and the producer, you know, I love how these guys they believe the bullshit. And the producer, of course, you're talking about a guy who did Transformers, who's made a fuckload of money. He made From Hell, and he produced Natural Born Killers. His commentary: the joy of these books is that in the wake of Twilight, they offer a chance to create a movie franchise. That, w- that guys will want to see as well as girls. Michael Prager and I plan on positioning the films as something both sexes will enjoy together, expanding the genre of sexy young vampires to a whole new audience. We're oh. beginning discussion with studios immediately. 
vampires. The only way I'm going to see Harry Potter is if it's released by a vivid video. Ah, nice. There you go. Hey, let me tell you. This is what happens, and, and you know, we, we talk about it before. It was the comic movies, now it's the vampire movies and the werewolf movies. That's how it goes. But here's some other great news tidbits. Eon Productions has suspended active development of the next Bond movie because yeah. MGM has no money. Oh, shit. How fucked up is that? It's like, how does Bond not make money for MGM to the point where they have to suspend the franchise? Yeah, like, where, how did they lose this, I don't understand this, but, like, I understand that they're bankrupt and they can't fucking, you know, produce the, the film or it's kind of expensive or whatever, but uh, how, how do they have no money? Where the fuck did the money go? I, I don't understand I, this. I don't know, man. Coke and cheap hookers? I have no idea. Well, I mean, hey, I really I, know. I'm all for that, but, I mean, you know, if you can't make a Bond film, that kind of says a lot, you know, how much do they fuck it up that they can't even make, you know, the one... Like a, you know, the next movie in a series that everybody knows. You know, that's that's saying something. Oh yeah, of course. But uh, it's one of those things where they had such a great formula. Daniel Craig was a good Bond. Um, oh, yeah. Casino Royale was fantastic. The second movie was okay, and they were really bring. You know, I think they were really bridging. You know, putting all their straws in one fucking basket, hoping that the third one would really catapult it to the top in terms of making shitloads of money. And yeah. now we may never know because the studio has no money. It, it just blows it, my mind. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Because, like, I mean, what, this is going to be the, it was going to be the, what, 23rd movie? Yeah, I believe it was the 23rd. Like, how do you not have, I, I don't know, man. And I don't even see the, the possible future for these guys. Because I mean, it's not like they're going to give up the property. I mean, you know, where the fuck do you go from here if you've got no cash? I mean, what are they going to fold and then fucking... Ugh. Well, you know, they, they can do one of three things. Either another studio can come in and buy the rights to the Bond franchise. That can happen. Or another studio may come out with their interpretation of the 007 story. That may happen. Or they may actually do like... like you know, like Hugh Jackman did with Wolverine, and, the, you know, Daniel Craig may invest his own money. Yeah. It, it, it can go either of three ways. The, what I don't want to do is have to deal with them having a recast Bond again and trying to find, you know, them wanting to go younger or cater to it. It's like, because you know what's going to happen. They're going to be like, eh, Daniel Craig, blah, blah, blah. He's getting a little older. Let's find a younger guy. And it'll be, it'll be fucking... It'll be Justin Bieber as James Bond, you know? Oh, Christ. I mean, you know what? And that, that's what I'm worried about, too, man. You know, because if it goes to another studio or, or whatever the fuck happens with this property, you know, Daniel Craig was an awesome fucking Bond. Like, I didn't like uh, Quantum of Solace or Solace, whatever the fuck it's called, because I, I just thought it, it went nowhere and it lagged a lot. Whereas, you know, in comparison to that, like, Casino Royale was fucking amazing. Like, that brought, you know, the 007 series like back, you know, for the times and definitely just with a, I don't know, a, a better presentation of it. And Daniel Craig... Oh, like, yeah, it kept it fresh. Yeah, like, I saw I saw Layer Cake, right? And then they had announced that Daniel Craig was going to be the fucking, like, he was going to be Bond. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I watched fucking uh, Casino Royale, and I'm like, I mean, just the opening where he's chasing that guy, you know, trying to get the bomb and shit, and then he fucking blows his way out of the fucking... Um, 
embassy or wherever the fuck that place was. I was like, holy shit, this guy ain't fucking around. And just how he talks, just how he walks, like he's a fucking badass. You know, like, Connery was suave and fucking, you know, he got the business done and, you know, he fucked, like, every chick in the goddamn movie. And then, you know, you had those other Bonds, like Timothy Dalton, where he was, like, all professional. And then he had Roger Moore, which was kind of creepy in a fucking way. And then, you know, Pierce Brosnan came in, and he brought, like, that Irish charm to it and whatever. But Daniel Craig, I thought he did a great fucking job. And my fear is if this property goes anywhere else, you know, they're going to lose him, and they're going to do just like you said, and what, you know, what every other fucking studio is going to be. Like, let's have a child bond. You know, let's have fucking, like you said, let's have Justin Bieber. Let's have him, you know, it'll be a Canadian bond. That'll be fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, James James Bond Jr., for sure, you know. It's it, it's really funny because they, they, there's so many angles they can go where they can really ruin it, and, and it's upsetting just because James Bond has such a has such a deep amount of stories that you can do on screen, and it, it's gonna it's gonna really be a recipe for disaster if they don't step in the right you know they don't if the right people don't step in and save this franchise. But in, in talking about story franchises, it leads me into my next story, which is the fact that there are already rumors floating around that George Lucas will continue to to fist fuck us and take our money by doing the Star Wars sagas in 3D. Ah, oh, Christ Almighty! Why? Why does it need? To, it doesn't yep. even need to be done. How many more fucking times is this guy just gonna fucking? Now, is is it gonna be the original trilogy? I'm assuming. Or uh, um, they're saying that they're gonna do. Yeah, they're gonna do a New Hope. You know, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi in 3D. Ugh. Why? What's the What's the fucking point? He already did the fucking special edition bullshit. He already did Greedo's shot first and all that other shit. And fucking Han stepping on fucking Jabba's tail. Which, uh, yeah, that, you know, that, that's fucking priceless. Like, this whole fucking 3D mitt, uh, I, 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 I'm gonna fucking lose my mind. I don't, I don't, 3D is not, it's not important. You know, how about you make more Star Wars movies that are actually fucking good instead of fucking rehashing the same shit we've all seen and putting it in fucking 3D so I can see asteroids fly by my fucking face. Yeah, that's, that's what I really need. You know, I don't need more of the universe being shown to me. I need those same movies I've watched as a kid and into my adulthood, you know, fucking hundreds of goddamn times. Yeah, I need to I need to watch it again for a hundred and first time, but in 3D this time. You're fucking kidding me. Ugh. Well, you know, the the funny part of it is that this there there's a couple of different Star Wars projects that are being worked on. They're allegedly doing a a, a TV series which is going to be based on the bounty hunters, which they want to do that. Then there's rumors that they want to re-release in 3D. Then they're saying that they're working on an ultimate box set for Blu-ray that's supposed to have all the versions digitally remastered in 1080p, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's just for more money. Only the original version matters, though. What what was that, Slick? Only the original version matters. When he started adding digital shit, he fucked it up. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I mean, me personally, I would just like a definitive, you know, especially Blu-ray. Here you go. Here's a Blu-ray box set. It has all the movies. It has the original as well as the theatrical, and that's it. And we're done. And we leave the franchise alone. You want to put it out in 3D for like an anniversary, you know, for like, you know, a 100-year anniversary or whatever? That's fine. But don't expect people to just at the drop of a hat go and pay, you know, $20 a ticket, because you know they will. The diehard Star Wars fans will. And then 
it's going to be just a continuation of them just leaving so many great stories left behind. Like, you know, there's a whole extra mythology that they can make movies on. You know, Han Solo and Princess Leia's children who become Jedis, and one of them becomes a Sith. You can do... Oh. Going towards the dark side, you can do the the, the 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 clone emperor. You can do so much shit now, and you can even use the original actors because they're older. Yeah, and you know my my thing is too. Like you were saying about the expanded uh, universe, right? Like I was a I'm, I was a big fan of the Star Wars uh, universe, like novels and shit. And I I really fucking because a lot of the writers they brought in were just fucking amazing. And there's this trilogy of books, right? That it takes place almost, you know, either right after or a couple of years after uh, Return of the Jedi at the end of that movie. And basically, Han and Leia get married. They end up, you know, having uh, three kids. Twins. Yeah, Anakin, they end up having and, two twins. And... Yeah, Jason and, and uh, Jaina. And then, um, you know, Luke goes to, like, to kind of figure out, his, kind of goes on, like, a walkabout of sorts and, you know, founds, like, uh, he starts to refound the Jedi Academy and shit like that. And, and then you have, like, this guy who's, like, an alien uh, admiral for the Empire. Yep. Which is kind yep. of like right a, like, Admiral Swan. Yeah, right on. And then, you know, they find the cloning pits and all this other shit with the Emperor, and they talk about how Vader, like, fucked over the Wookiees and Kashyyyk and how he fucking enslaved the Nogri, or just the, or Nogri, or how the fuck you pronounce it, or, like, an awesome race of fucking aliens. And, you know, I, I read these books, man, you know, when I was, like, in fucking high school, and I was like, man, you know, this is all Lucas needs to do, which is fucking read these books, and I know he approved them, obviously, you know, because they're for Star Wars, they have the branding of it, just read the fucking book, dude, and bring it to screen, have, have someone else fucking direct it for you, you don't even have to fucking uh, direct it yourself, you know, and that's, yep. why, that's why I thought Empire was the best fucking movie, because he didn't fucking touch it, he was just like, yeah, I'll stand the check, you know, do whatever you gotta do, the story wasn't his, the fucking direction they took wasn't his, and you know what, Empire had better fucking character development, and just overall, like, presentation than the other fucking two movies. And then the new trilogy is just total fucking bullshit, but I'm not even going to go well, there. Well, now, now you know. I mean, the, the 3D thing is, is here to stay, and it's just going to continue. But um, moving on, because I'm looking at the, at the timer here. We got a... Uh, you know, of course, last week we were talking about Andrew Garfield being cast as Peter Parker in the new Spider-Man movie. Yeah. And originally, <clears throat> the thought was we were going to have Peter Parker in high school, Right. Yeah. That's what it, that's what we all discussed. We all discussed it. Everybody said it was going to be Ultimate Spider-Man, and that was it. Here's what happened. Oh, look, the guy's 27. Gee, we can't make it in high school anymore. So, according to a report that I read earlier today, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker character may not be a high school student after all due to the fact that Garfield is 27. The script may change to put Peter in college. Okay. So, 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 let, so let me get this straight. You tell Raimi, now, even though the third movie was fucking shit, but I think a lot of that has to do with Sony's fucking tinkering and bullshit. So basically, yep. you tell Raimi to go fuck himself. You tell Tobey Maguire to go fuck himself. And uh, Chris Dunst, I don't really care, because she's got a weird fucking grill. But anyway, you, you fucking fire those people and get rid of them, and then you go, we're going to fucking reboot Spider-Man, you know, even though it's been way too fucking soon. And... At first, it could be high school. You realize the kid you casted, hey, shocker, he's fucking 27. He won't be able to pull off the fucking high school kid. And now you bring it back to college. 
So yep. all of this has just been a waste of fucking time then, hasn't it? Bingo. Uh, and here's here's the kicker. Garfield, Andrew Garfield, is 27. He is the same age now as Tobey Maguire was when he played Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, does, that make, does that make any sense? This is why this is why Marvel comic movies have to be done by Marvel because when they fucking outsource it or you know you know before at the beginning when comic movies were starting to get made and like pick up steam and shit I totally get it you know you give you offer it to Sony as like a property you know that it's made money you know it has the potential to make even more money but you don't have enough capital or you're scared about you know bring showing it the, you know the light of day but. That time is long since fucking past, man. Marvel has got enough fucking movie, uh, yeah, movie money to fucking make their own shit. You know, it, I, uh, it's just fucking ridiculous, man. It really is. It really is weird. And um, Slick, are you still there? Yeah, man, I'm here. Look, now, you know, and, and I figured I'd ask you because you have your own thoughts on Spider-Man. How how crazy is it? that after all the shit we've discussed in previous episodes and in, in the chat and on the forum and even face-to-face, that the guy that's playing Spider-Man in the reboot is the same age as Tobey Maguire in the first Spider-Man. How fucked up is that? I'll go, I'll go you one better. He looks younger than Tobey Maguire did in the first Spider-Man. True. And Tobey Maguire was in... I mean, Peter, his Peter Parker was in what? High school. Yep. So what's the fucking problem? There you go. It, it's really, it's really unfortunate. But you know what? Uh, on the bright side, there's there's two other tidbits of news. First off, IGN is reporting that Mike Judge is working on thirty new episodes of Beavis and Butthead. Oh my god. That's not gonna work. So yeah. There's, they're, they're trying to figure out if... M- Go ahead, man. I was going to say, the staple of Beavis and Butthead, each episode was maybe eight minutes long. Yep. Like five of those minutes with them watching videos. Yeah. Yep. Well, videos here's, here's how... fucking suck. Oh, yeah. But here's how... Here's the breakdown. According to the source... Judge plans to honor the show's roots, maintaining the original format and the faded aesthetic. There's no word as to whether MTV would pick up the revival, which they would, of course, but it is viable that that Judge could release the new episodes on his own website or through some other digital medium. I think, and, and I'm not totally against this, and I'll tell you why. If they did it in such a way that they, 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 allowed the characters to voice their own opinions as in, you know, kind of like a family guy kind of thing with new videos and stuff and kind of referencing pop culture. I can see it being um, popular. But what's going to happen is that MTV is going to bring it back on and then MTV is going to say, yeah, my judge, you can put these videos on your show, but, you know, don't make fun of Lil Wayne in this video. Or, you know, don't acknowledge... Scott Staff's lisp, or you know, don't don't say that Drake is piss colored. You know, that's what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen is MTV's gonna do it, and it's gonna be great. But then they're gonna be like, yeah, don't make fun of Miley Cyrus, 
And that's yeah. just going to fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this case, don't have them masturbate to Miley Cyrus. Bingo. There wouldn't be any of that. It would just be them, you know, making fun of the videos in a safe manner, which is the total opposite of what we knew Beavis and Butthead for. They, they'd make, they made fun of fucking NWA videos. Yeah. You know, although... Uh, I'll finally actually be able to watch uh, music videos on MTV. That, uh, that's actually awesome. Uh, it's sad, but it is delightfully true. But um, I know that Wolf was asking about X-Men being high school musical, and here's his tidbit of X-Men news. X-Men First Class is going to be shooting next month, and it's almost 100% locked that Aaron Johnson from Kick-Ass will be playing Cyclops. He's going to be joining James McAvoy, who's playing Professor X, Michael Fassbender, who's playing Magneto, and Alice Eve, who is playing Emma Frost. Also, Nicholas Holt from Clash of the Titans will be playing Beast, and Caleb Landry-Jones from Friday Night Lights will be playing Banshee in the upcoming First Class film. Hmm. Not a bad cast, actually. Yeah, I'd say, I mean, yeah. My thing is, is uh, Cyclops going to have the Jufro or no? Because that'd be awesome. I- I think they're going to have him cut that shit down just because, obviously, they want to keep him looking similar to comic book Cyclops. But overall, I'm not too upset or I'm really nonplussed with the casting because I really want to see a trailer because I want to see how James McAvoy looks bald as Professor X just because not everybody can pull off a clean bean. And I don't think he has the chops to pull off a bald head. But who knows? We'll see how how it plays out. He may have hair throughout the earlier part of the movie, and then, you know, maybe he'll go through, like, mutant chemo and be bald or some shit. Who knows? <laughs> but, um, of course, it wouldn't be a movie segment. We got a couple of what-the-fuck movie news in here. And The Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Joe Wright, who's in Pride and Prejudice and Atonement, and a company called Working Title Films, is working on a live-action version of The Little Mermaid. Oh, get the... Fuck, God. Wasn't that called Splash? Wasn't that called Splash? Seriously. It was. According oh, to this, Abby, Abby Morgan wrote the script for the adaptation of the classic Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. The story, of course, follows the young mermaid who gives up her life in the sea for a human prince, with this version inspired by a children's puppet theater production done oh, in London. <laughs> so you're making a live-action Little Mermaid movie based on a puppet show from London. Wow, that's um, I, yeah, that's all I got, man. I, I can't. Even, I'm fucking exactly. I'm speechless. You win. You got me. I can't. <laughs> oh shit! Based on a puppet show, you know. It, yeah, that's um. You know what? It sounds about right. I'm excited. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready. Uh, oh yeah, live action. A live action Little Mermaid based on puppets. I'm all in. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm saving up my shillings now. <laughs> how can you how can you say no to that? You know, that just has, you know, production value and, you know, you know it's going to be number one. You know, it's going to shatter the records, dude. I'm telling you. You know, Avatar what? You know, Avatar who? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make billions of dollars, live-action Little Mermaid shit. But uh, uh, it's going to be in 3D, too. Oh, yeah, it's going to be in 3D and fucking Blu-ray, and James Cameron's going to direct it, 
and they're going to use Avatar water effects, and the Navi are going to have fishtails, and fuck, Titanic's going to float across the top of the ocean, and Ariel's going to go on the boat, and she's going to meet the prince there, and an iceberg is going to hit it, and he'll die and freeze in the water, and she'll go back with the Navi, and they'll sing. No, dude, see, you're, you're onto something here. So Samuel Jackson comes <laughs> in, and he's the iceberg. No, oh, hear me out. Yes. It's going to make sense. He comes in, and Ariel is on, is on the Titanic, right? And then Samuel Jackson, or Titanic 2, I apologize for the listeners out there. So Samuel Jackson is the iceberg, and he's coming in. He, he, he takes the, uh, the fucking Titanic 2. Ariel, in spoiler alert, she becomes, she's a, a mermaid, right? And then fucking Liam Neeson comes out as Zeus, and he's like, unleash the fucking Kraken. And the Kraken comes out, and Ariel and the Kraken duke it out. And then, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't think of it. It'll be, it'll be a cliffhanger, dude. And then, um, yeah. Dude, it, it, it's really unfortunate. I, I just want to go back to the fact that you're making a movie based on a puppet theater production. Not even a regular puppet theater production, but it's inspired by a children's puppet theater production done at London's Little Angel Theater Company. Should Ariel be Megan Fox or uh, Lindsay Lohan? I'm trying to debate no, that no, right no, now. No, 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 I got the kicker for you. They want to make it extra surreal. Ariel will be played by Lady Gaga. Oh, there you go. Yes. And she she's has to wear... Blood, like half the time and shit. Oh, yeah, and she's going to have a fishtail made of Kermit. Stuffed Kermit the Frogs are going to make her fishtail. <laughs> Dude, it, it's oh, terrible. My God. But, but the last bit of movie news... Uh, for the evening is that Christopher Columbus, who directed the first two Harry Potter movies, is rumored to be directing the Superman reboot. Okay. I don't. I don't think it's bad. I mean, he did a good job with the first two Harry Potters. Christopher Nolan is producing it, and David oh, Goyer wow. is writing the script. You know, so Nolan's behind it. Goyer is writing it, and Christopher Columbus. You know, Christopher Columbus. <laughs> Um, he didn't. Uh, he didn't do a bad job with the first two Harry Potter movies, which were surprisingly good. So, I, I don't think yeah. it's going to be terrible. Yeah, you know when he burned the me of the pee in the Santa Maria. You know, I was very upset with Columbus. But, uh, oh yeah. Cool. You know. <laughs> oh Christ! But you know, if it has Nolan backing him up, I mean, Goyer is kind of Goyer is a, a weird, weird like hit or miss kind of guy, and mostly miss because I guess he's supposed to be writing. Um, Ghost Rider, the sequel to Ghost Rider, which, you know, That's should, right. be, should be fucking awesome, but uh, he's writing that, too, so, uh, I don't know, he, he tends to, like, write a lot of shit, but whether or not it holds substance or weight is, you know, usually it, it's not. Well, you know what, I think that if, if they keep this cast together... And, and they have a winning formula, I think Superman will be successful. The problem is, and... Slick and I have talked about this at great length. It's the fact that Superman's character is so one-dimensional, and they always want to use the same basic bad guy. It always has to be Lex Luthor. We've talked about, you know, Darkseid being a good villain, Brainiac being a good villain. Like, why can't Lex Luthor kind of take a back seat and you focus on some of Superman's other rogues to actually add some diversity to the character? It's like, it's like I know you guys want to make him tortured, and you guys want to make it dark, because, you know, that's the other buzzword. Besides 3D, it has to be dark or it has to be vampires. Those are the Hollywood yeah. buzzwords now. It has to be dark 3D and vampires for it to be successful. 
you know, Superman's not a really difficult character to make a movie out of. You know, he has a whole bunch of issues trying to be superhuman. You know, he can't have sex with Lois Lane because he'll kill her. And, you know, there's a lot of extra shit you can do without having to get too crazy. It's just the fact that they want to go way too deep with it. And I think the, the failure of Superman Returns was the whole, you know, Lois Lane has a kid and Superman may be the daddy and all this extra shit. You know, yeah. that, when, they added, when they added all that extra stuff to the movie, it really just made it a lot worse than, it, than we expected it to be. And it just kind of ruined the franchise. So to undo that, you're really going to have to go back to a brass tax approach, which is, if you notice, Superman 2, by many people, is considered the best Superman movie. You know, with Zod and, and the guys from the Phantom Zone. And if you notice, the success of that movie came from the fact that Lex Luthor's character was secondary. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, well see, I, I would disagree with that. The, uh, I think Superman 1... Is, is a far superior film, in my opinion, because, uh, you know, the thing with Superman, you know, and a lot of people don't get this, like, Superman as, like, a, a comic book superhero and shit, I really don't dig, like, I don't like the idea that only, you know, a green crystal can beat his ass and shit, you know, I know every hero has that stupid little, you know, fucking thing that'll, you know, literally, they're kryptonite, but it's just fucking annoying, but the whole thing about Superman that, that's always interests me and that, you know, still keeps me interested in the character it's basically that Superman is, is basically the story of, of an immigrant coming to the U.S. And it, basically how they did it, it was uh, Simon and Schuster, I think, how they brought it, you know, how they told the story of a Jewish immigrant coming to America, you know, basically, you know, he crash lands, you know, quote, unquote, on the planet. And basically, you know, the swaddling clothes he's wrapped in later becomes his uniform, you know, later becomes the cape and then the tights he wears. And basically, Superman's disguise is not the cape and the fucking boots and shit. Superman's disguise is us. You know, he's making, it's like his um, interpretation of us, the whole Clark Kent thing. You know, he wears the fucking stupid glasses, he's got the hair slicked back and all that other shit. You know, he wears the, the, the coat and the tie and shit. It's because that's his observation of us. You know, and Superman looks like a very, you know, wasp American, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. You know, he looks, you know, with the chiseled chin and all that other shit. You know, and it's, it's just the story of an immigrant, you know, being told through the eyes of an alien, you know, quote-unquote. And I really dug that about Superman, and I thought the first, um, the first Superman movie, you know, with Reeves really captured that. And then, okay. I mean, don't get me wrong, the second film is awesome, you know, because fucking Biden and, and all that crazy shit, because you need villains like that to fucking, you know, put the pimp slap on fucking Superman, because you can't just have him flying around and, you know, Oh joy, you know, fucking, because he can do anything because he's fucking Superman. You need to have villains like that. And then when they get with the fucking nuclear man and all that other fucking bullshit, it's just, uh. I mean, Christ, just do a movie about, you know, Superman and Bizarro. You know, fuck it, you might as well at this point, you know, if they really want to, if they're digging from the barrel and shit. But I, I just, the character is so fucking simple, and I don't get how they, like that last Superman movie, oh man, that was fucking bad. Like, I don't get how they keep fucking this up. It's Superman. How fucking hard is it? There you go. Well, the, that actually wraps up all the movie news for this week, and I'm, I'm gonna actually going to go a little a little off to, topic, so to speak, and I want to actually talk about the, the, the LeBron James thing because obviously it's everywhere. It's yeah, everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, fucking, you know, skywriting, uh, the daily news, fucking creaming in their shorts. And before I ask you, 
the, the thoughts of you guys on the situation. I, I, I want to say this. A lot of people, and I've read a lot of articles about this, they've been hating on LeBron James, and they're like, oh, you know, he's you know he, he, he got ESPN to give him, you know, an hour for him to announce what team he's signing to, and blah, blah, blah. No. What LeBron James did is what's going to become the new generation of, of interaction with the public. There's no more uptight, stuffy press guys asking you questions. There's me with a fuckload of money expressing my, my intentions to my fans and my friends on national television. ESPN yeah. just happened to be the medium that, get, that granted me the power to do that. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's fucked up, and LeBron James is. No, LeBron James's fucking marketing team are geniuses, and they knew how to capitalize on every aspect of media that we all absorb on a daily basis, and they made sure he had exposure everywhere. LeBron James was a trending topic on Twitter. I use Twitter to promote the show. Who's on Twitter now? LeBron James. I go on Facebook. I use Facebook to promote the show. What do you see on Facebook? Commentary about LeBron James. What do you see in ads about LeBron James? How can, how can anybody be mad at the guy for embracing something that we, as you know, bloggers and broadcasters, are trying to do ourselves? On the contrary, I envy the guy for actually finding a way to stick it to the man and still make people interested in what he wanted to do. The whole world actually gave a fuck about where he was going. Yeah. It, made free, it made free agency a word that nobody that was really familiar is now fully educated on. Well, you know, and, and I think the majority, if not all, the proceeds are going to the Boys and Girls Club. You know, yep. so when people are like, oh, fucking, he's, he, you know, LeBron gets his own conference, yeah, you're fuck right. You know, I don't watch basketball. I know who the fuck LeBron James is. And I actually watched the ESPN thing today. Because I really don't give a fuck about the NBA. Basketball kind of like, I like playing it, but it just fucking... It boggles my mind, a lot of the shit that goes on, and just the NBA in, in general. And, uh, you know, like Kevin from BGN says, or Cleveland Sports Radio, rather, you know, it's the last five minutes that count, honestly. And I'm fucking, that, that's pretty much it. But you know what, the guy, you know, he came up there, he had his own special, he, you know, he's given the mic to the Boys and Girls Club. And it's, yeah, it's because he's LeBron James that he could fucking do that. You know, you or I can't fucking go up there and go, yeah, we're going to fucking... You know, you know, you know, you can't go up there and go. Oh, I'm gonna switch to uh, Bluehost, or you know, or I'm gonna go up there and go. Yeah, I'm announcing my new podcast and shit like that. You know, no one's gonna give a fuck. You know, but it's because LeBron is in that position. You know, he does it. And you know, what do you think about him going to Miami? Do you think he should have stayed in Cleveland? Or no, I'll t- I'll tell you what happens. And and before I give you my response, Slick, what do you think of his use of the of the of the social medium to convey what he was doing? Well, when I first heard about it, I was, you know, really just saying fuck LeBron James because, again, why do you get a fucking hour to just say, hey, I'm going here. But, I mean, if it's going to charity, it's going to charity, and that's at least a good thing. But still, what what the fuck is 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 that show going to consist of? An hour of what, what it takes five seconds to say. Well, here's what happened. When LeBron James did it and he announced where he was going, he actually, and he, this is where social media is the future. He was actually taking questions from people on Twitter and Facebook that, you know, he'd select questions and answer them during the broadcast. 
on top of the fact of answering questions for the media. And again, it just shows that his marketing team covered every angle. They pretty much said, here's our, here's our, 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 our candidate, here's our, our, bre- our meal ticket. We've got to make sure that everything you look at, the toilet paper will have LeBron James's number on it when you wipe your ass. This is the type of exposure yeah. they were going for. And you've got to look at it like this. At what stage of the game do you not have to give him credit where credit is due just from a marketing standpoint? I honestly don't give a fuck where he signed, and I'll tell you why. The people of Cleveland have a right to be upset, and they have a right to be hurt. But you know what? They had the opportunity to watch him play for years and, and got to enjoy watching a, 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 a kid from their hometown become the man. And that's, yeah. and that's great. And, but, but at the end of the day, it's all about how many zeros are in my fucking check. And if Cleveland didn't have enough zeros, he left. That's it. And Miami bought themselves a championship. Yeah. Period. Well, I mean, in, in this day and age, you know, especially in sports media and shit, you know, to, to expect loyalty, you know, from a player. You know, There's I think no fucking expect- loyalty in sports. Fuck out of here. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. To expect loyalty, you expect way too much on these fucking guys. Because like you said, you know what? If, if it was me, I'm cashing the fucking check. Like, yeah, you know, I could have lived in, in Cleveland or wherever my whole life, you know, and, you know, have a house, my mom's there, my family's there, yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, hey, for seven years I played in front of these people. But at the end of the fucking day, if a team or whoever comes up to you and they're like, hey, here's a big fucking check. We've got two other guys that are willing to sign with us, and hey, we actually have a chance at winning shit. You know what, dude? I'm taking a fucking check, and that's what every athlete's gonna fucking do. You know, it's not like when I was a kid, and, you know, like when I would watch the 49ers on TV. You know, and you know whoever was playing as 49ers, they were expected to fucking retire as a 49er. You know, but what happened? Yep. Joe Montana went over to fucking KC, and which was basically the 49er fucking retirement home. He he went over there and you know retired. You know, he still retired as a 49er technically, but his last team was the fucking, was the Chiefs. So I learned from that point on that there's no fucking loyalty. You know, a guy who's here one day and he could be winning your championships or trying to get you there or just producing numbers, he's not always going to be there. Because as soon as another team comes up with a better fucking deal, he's out. And I think, you know, I don't understand, I mean, it comes down to Cleveland. They couldn't fucking keep that guy there, seriously. Like, I just, I, I, and I know the well, complexities of managing a team, you know, are complex, but I, I don't know. Well, you know, it's funny because um, I have Donnie on the line, and I'm going to bring him on, and, you know, we're, we're going to close the show out with, with this just because it's something that, regardless of where you live, it's been everywhere. Slick yeah. will tell you because he's a New York resident much like me. Slick, how much LeBron shit was all over New York for a guy that we, that, that the realist people like us knew wasn't coming here. How much shit was there? Slick, are you... Are you oh, Slick muted himself. Hold on a second. Fucking Nick Levin? No. I, um... I want... How much crazy shit was there for LeBron James all over the place for a guy that's not even playing here? Yeah, we're saying. I mean, our freaking mayor, Bloomberg did a commercial pleading for LeBron James to come to New York. That's how fucking crazy it was. 
Well, before I bring Don on, I want to I want to give you guys a a, a, a nugget of, of of craziness. If we as a country, or even New York, New York as a state, invested as much time into getting more companies to come and 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 open plants in New York to start jobs as we did to get a guy who's yeah. only going to make money for Madison Square Garden, we wouldn't be in the shithole we're in now. Like, like yeah. shit like that, like Barack Obama's like, I want LeBron James to come and play in Chicago. Motherfucker, there's, there's the La Brea Tar Pits in the Gulf of Mexico, and you're asking about Le. No, fuck him. Who cares? That's all I got to say, man. It's like, who gives a shit? I'm a New Yorker, and LeBron James playing on the Knicks would have just made them suck a little less. That's all. That's it. But True. with that said, let's, let's, let's bring Don in. Mr. Anderson, fellow Cleveland resident, share your wisdom with us. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, all right, get ready for it. I'm going to spit this <laughs> Take it from someone who has seen the Browns throw it away in 1980 with Red Right 88. I've seen the drive. I've seen the fumble. I've seen the shot. I've seen Andre Risen. I've seen Sean Kemp. I've seen Albert Bell. I've seen Art Modell. I've seen a lot, a lot of bad things happen in Cleveland. And to be honest with you, I think I'm the only person in Cleveland who is like, what do you people expect? Because nobody wants to play here. And this dude had the chance to go down in history as one of those players who who meant everything to the city and to the team. I'm not pissed at him. I don't care. I could, you know what I mean? Go ahead. Go somewhere else. I don't give a shit. Uh, none of my business. If you get paid there or whatever. Uh, but he could have been one of those Cal Ripken Jr. types, the Dan Marino the, uh, the the guy who stayed in the city, even if he didn't win a championship, if he, I mean, being being born here, going through half of what I went through, but still going through it and knowing what it means to the city and to the people, if he would have stayed and never won a championship, he he could have ran for mayor and they wouldn't even have voted. They would they would just be like, yeah, go ahead, fuck it take it. What do you want, LeBron? You want this whole building? Take this building. Go ahead. I mean, the, granted, this is obviously not what he wanted. He says he wants a championship, so why bring it here? To the, why bring it to the city that you know needs it and wants it and will appreciate it? Just go ahead and leave and go somewhere else. Well, you know, and, 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 to, and to play on that, you're basically going to Miami to play second banana to somebody. That's what bugs me out. Not only, not only are you you're leaving for more money, and that's fine because you know what? It's a job. At the end of the day, I don't give a fuck what people say about sports. When you're being paid for it, it's still a job. It's another day at the office. It just tends to be a, a more enjoyable day at the office with a lot more zeros and far less working hours. But the fact of the matter is, he got a new job, and instead of be, uh, and instead of starting at a new company as a vice president or even a president or a CEO, he's starting out as an, as an assistant vice president. Like, you're not even the man there. Yeah, you're going to be, you're the man on paper, but Dwayne Wade is the heat. Yeah, you bring LeBron there, and unless, you know, 
LeBron becomes far more popular, he's still the man there. So you're leaving your home base where you're the man, and yep. you're going to be a second banana, even right. a third banana, if, if, Dwayne, if you got that, you know, Bosch there. Dwayne Wade's already won a championship. There you go. You're playing second banana. You LeBron know, you're, you're James fucking, won nothing. There you go. <clears throat> and you put egos like that together, it's not. It probably it, it might just not work. I don't know. Nope. I mean, is Pat Riley still the coach down there? No, um, Pat Riley's in charge, and he's got some guy being the coach, and they were talking about Riley taking the bench. But yeah. the whole reason why I brought this up was for the fact that you have a guy that pretty much just manipulated the whole world yeah. to tune in for something that he answered in a minute and probably 20 seconds. Right. LeBron, where are you going? Now I'm going to Miami. Done. <laughs> And then, and then, you know, it was like, you know, I'll take questions from Twitter, I'll take questions from Facebook. You know, there was a commercial for vitamin water, which, of course, he was drinking. Um, you know, it was sponsored by Bing, which is owned by Microsoft. You know, everybody, everybody made money except the press. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you've seen this. Did you see that uh, the, the letter from Dan Gilbert? The, uh, he's no, already, I didn't. Already I've heard about it. He's already released a letter to everybody, you know, uh, basically calling LeBron James a backstabber and a deserter, and uh, and he he guarantees that the Cleveland Cavaliers will win a championship before LeBron James ever does. Let me tell you something, and and and, and this is how this is how we're gonna wrap it up. Let me tell you, if if you all all of you guys, the three of you, all have jobs, all of you have jobs, you earn honest money. And, you know, you have, you have some loyalty to your jobs. I'm not saying that it's fucking, you know, ride or die for your jobs, but you have some loyalty, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I walk into your job. I go, hey, guess what? My Take Radio is going to open up My Take Radio Corp. And I need Slick, I need Kai, and I need Donnie. And I'm going to pay y'all $60,000 a year or $75,000 a year, and you've been at these companies, just for argument's sake, 20 years, will you leave? Oh, yeah. The 50 grand a year? No. Well, you know, no, I'm just talking about, you know, like if you were making, you know, if you were making 30 grand a year, but you've been there 20 years and you were happy, and, you know, they gave you your first start, and I came and I said, look, I'll give you, you know, 60, 35 grand a year, you know, come work for us. Would you do it? Right, yes, because I want yeah, more money. Yeah, well, I would say probably is. Well, there you go. Yeah, but see, my thing comes it. down to, to, to personality, though, of James, right, and why I think this is a stupid fucking decision, and we're really going to see how this goes, because he's going there with Wade and fucking this kid Bosch, right? So he's, it's not going to be the LeBron James show. If he had fucking nope. stayed in Cleveland, he was, the limelight was always on this motherfucker, for seven fucking years, the attention was all about King fucking James and all that other bullshit, right? He goes to fucking Miami. There's two other guys at least that are going to be taking the spotlight away from him. And you know what? I think he's a fucking man-child. I really think it's going to break him. Or, I mean, maybe it won't be a, a total collapse. But you know what? Yeah, money is, is very tempting. But if you're still the big fish in the little pond, you know, at your old job, you might just stay there just because you are the it guy. You know, you're the guy that gets shit done, or you're the popular guy, or whatever. You're the fucking name. Him going over there with two other guys, well-known fucking players. Yeah, 
one, I think it's a mistake, like I said, and then two, I really think he, he's just going to break because he's never had to deal with that before. And yeah, Shaquille came over to Cleveland and shit, but come on, that guy's best days are fucking well behind him. So you know, right? I think I I, I think it was a very right. poor decision, and we're gonna we're gonna see how mentally he can uh, he can how far he can go without cracking. I don't well, think it'll be you know what? Well, and that's an interesting way to look at it. The, the way I see the LeBron situation, and I can sum it up like this: a true leader knows when to lead and knows when to stay quiet. And if LeBron James is going to have any success in Miami, he's going to, there's going to come a time when he's going to step up and we're going to find out who a real leader is. But if he's, if he's as great as everyone plays him out to be, he's going to know when it's time to lead and when it's time to be a soldier. He's going to come in now and be a soldier, but if he does it the right way, he'll own, he'll own the heat long after Wade is gone. That, that, that's it. That's they it. relocate the heat to Cleveland. That's <laughs> it. A true, a true, a true leader, dude, knows when to fucking follow, and knows when to lead. Period. And we're gonna find out in Cleveland he was a leader, and he said it in the interview. I want to be challenged. All right, be be challenged, being second banana, and see if you can hang. If you can, more props to you. If you can't, oh, you fucked yourself. Yeah, but I mean, he was he was the leader of Cleveland by default, though. Because you had a coach that was just basically, you know, he just let fucking, you know, and, and again, I don't, I'm not an expert in basketball. I don't watch a lot of it. But from what I saw, it basically looked like the Cleveland coach, who, uh, as far as I know, is, is not with the team anymore. I think it's like Brown or whatever. He fucking, he right. basically just let LeBron run the fucking show. That's not being a leader. That's just because your fucking team management is shit. You know, and yeah, That's you know, let let, let, let these fucking superstars run around and all this shit and call the shots and fucking yada, yada, yada. You want to talk about a good fucking coach? Look at Phil Jackson. I don't know what fucking portfolios or fucking folders he's got on his players to keep him in line, but all the fucking people he's brought in, he, he, made, he made Ron Artest go to fucking psychiatric counseling. Like, what more do I have to fucking say? You know, so LeBron being a leader, quote, unquote, over there, no. You know, he was just the best player on the fucking team. The spotlight was on him. People expected him to lead, but in actuality, it's just because his team, the management was just fucking weak, you know. And I don't, I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, I, I think, be bitter about I it. Think I just think it's like foolish, you know. I, I just, uh, like you said, all this, pop, you know, all this, you know, shit about this guy, and it's like I don't know. I think it's, it's tumbling down. He's just, he's one guy, you know, and that doesn't uh, make a fucking team, right? Well, that's, and that's the other thing is Cleveland's got now. Cleveland has they have a, a new head coach, they have a new GM, and uh, now they're going to have some cash space to go out and get. I mean, all they all they need is I mean, now with all this money, they can go get a couple of top-notch players, insert them into the team that they have, and you're talking about still being in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 the not, it's and it's not like it's going to be a four or five year thing. It's like a hey. You know, we just need to, we got, we got to, you know, find a center and then find a, a forward. So, you know what, the funniest we'll thing, the funniest thing, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say this one last thing and then I'll shut up for the rest of it. Go ahead, Donnie. Go ahead, Donnie. The funniest thing I saw all night was a, a snapshot of uh, LeBron James on ESPN, and it says uh, someone someone who works at ESPN must be a Cleveland fan because it, 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 it said LeBron James, and right in front of his name it said F because he plays forward, so it just said F LeBron James. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But yeah, there you go. That is some fun. Well, 
you know, b- before I close it out, I got to say, w- we'll see how it pans out. It's one of the few times, and, you know, Show 50 is a special show that I actually deviated into, into you know, mainstream sports, but it was something that couldn't be, couldn't be ignored. And, um, you know, I definitely thank, thanks, Donnie, for coming in and, and sharing your wisdom, especially from a Cleveland perspective. And, you know, you, you, I, I like the fact that you're not a bitter fan, and I respect that. Yeah. I'm not going to be. I mean, I still like the team. It's, you know, if, the, if he doesn't want to play here, he doesn't want to play here. I'm used to it. That's it. Well, with that said, folks, you can catch Donnie's show, Tumblr with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. That's right. Thank you. All right? Cool. All right, All right Donnie. Thanks a lot, easy. brother. Congratulations on 50. I'll catch you later. Thanks, dude. Peace. Peace. All right. With that said, guys, I'm just going to wrap up the show. Kai, thanks for coming on and helping uh, finish everything out. You can check out Kai's site, Northeast Wasteland, at northeastwasteland.com. If you're on Facebook, check out Northeast Wasteland on Facebook. Hit that like button and become a fan and show Kai your support. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me on again. Ah, thanks a lot, brother. It was great. All right, man. Later. Later. And, of course, Slick, you know, thanks for your hard work. Have a safe trip in Cali with the rest of them, and I will see you back here next week. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Thanks again. Yes, peace, man. Talk to you later. You got it. All right, folks, with that said, you've just listened to My Take Radio episode 50. Um, Of course, again, I want to thank you all very much for being on this incredible ride with me uh, from episode one all the way to episode 50. As of midnight, it makes officially one year that I've been doing My Take Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Again, I'm very proud of that, and I want to thank all of you for your support. Um, That's episode 50 for this week. You can catch episode 51, of course, next Thursday at 11 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And again, this is My Take Radio episode 50 for Thursday, July 8, 2010. I want to thank Kai from Northeast Wasteland. Again, northeastwasteland.com. You can check out Don's show, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays at 10 p.m. If you want to link up with Slick, of course, stop in the Facebook fan page. uh, Leave some commentary there. You can also stop by the forums. Slick moderates our forums there. If you want to reach out or uh, discuss any of his views on the show, same thing with Kai. You can look him up on the Northeast Wasteland website or the Northeast Wasteland fan page. And, of course, I want to thank all the other supporters and previous guests of the show, RazorClothing.tv, which is Razor Rob's site, GoCreedGo.com for Austin Creed, GiantSparrow.com, which is Max Geiger's site, uh, DrinkDocs.com, which is Doc's Vitamin Water, GamingAngels.com, of course. Trina's doing a great job uh, with that site. I thank her for being a guest um, on the panel for E3. MMAGospel.com is Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Check out Turk and Gary and their... Um, really great views on MMA. You can check them out again Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Shout out to Josh at MMA.com for being a supporter. And, of course, the crew from BGN Radio slash Cleveland Sports Radio slash Midwest Wasteland. And, of course, Born Stubborn Radio. And with that, that's the end of the show. You can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash akuma25 or you can follow the show account, twitter.com at MyTakeRadio. If you're on MySpace, myspace.com slash MyTakeRadio is the website. And if you're on Facebook, click that like button and show your support and become a fan. 
Catch you guys next week. Peace.